It's so hard without making eye contact. I know. So we didn't talk about it. Are we going to do like a three count? Or how about at 10? We're coming up on 10. Come, Come on, on now, sugar. I think that one worked. I think so. I feel good. I, th- I, I did that- leave it all on. I left it all in because you said you like podcast verite. So mm-hmm. I left it all in last week. But I think this time it's clean. I feel like. It's probably audible. Uh huh. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> Wonderful. Um. And we have two. Uh, I guess I'm gonna say like, not that inventive title episodes. <laughs> I had no idea what either. Even though we kind of talked about what was gonna be in the third episode. Uh huh. I didn't remember what cheaty cheaty bang bang or green eyed men- monster meant mm-hmm. until I was watching the episode. Like they aren't, I don't know. It's just like the titles are not as like apt or exciting to me or something. I don't know. Okay. I'm, I mean, I'm sorry they they let you down. No, it's just like, I, I feel like in the first season you can name any episode and I know what you're talking about, uh-huh. but cheaty cheaty bang bang and green eyed monster kind of don't, they also thematically they're they overlap a lot these two episodes. Yes, that's true. That's so it's true. also they're kind of confused. Like if now I know, like for the next two hours, I promise I'll remember which is which. But uh-huh. starting next week, I can't promise you that I'm going to remember <laughs> that Cheaty Cheaty is referring to Kendall Casablancas, whereas Green Eyed Monster. I guess if I because it's not that. There's there's just multiple accusations of cheating and weird jealousy things happening all over the place. Yes. Uh, and each of them, like the A and I guess what you, the B plot uh, are both about infidelity. Really, if you break it down. Yes. So it's, um, um, it's, it's, you know, that's what's on the mind of Veronica, I guess. And then you add in, and we'll get, we'll do our normal go through things chronologically. But then you sure. add in the Keith and Alicia plot, uh-huh. which is less about. Je- I don't think he's ever straight up jealous of mysterious Cress Williams, mm-hmm. but I think he's definitely knows he's being lied to. Yeah, yeah. And then finds of- out he's being lied to again <laughs> <laughs> through snooping. Yes. Well, first through trying to be the hero. Uh-huh. Oh, we'll get to it. We'll we get gotta, to we gotta, it. We'll All get right. to it. Okay. You want to start um, with Cheaty so, Cheaty Bang Bang? Cheaty Cheaty Bang Bang, which is a good name for the show. I'm not trying to talk <laughs> smack of the show. You know the show is my heart. But the two titles, when I looked, I was like, oh, what am I going to watch? Cheaty Cheaty Bang Bang and Korean Monster. I was like, I, I mean, I remembered some of the things that happened. Uh-huh. So there's some key moments. I think the... I'm going to go out on a limb and I, I think I'll stay on that limb happily. <laughs> one of my favorite, one of my, like the, the episode of the week plots uh-huh. that I think works the best thematically and like holds the most water and matters the most would be the, the, uh, the Casablanca's, uh, Ponzi scheme. Yeah. I think it worked really well. Absolutely. Certainly so far this season, like it's the one I care the most about. Um, I mean, I wasn't that worried about anyone's drug test or, <laughs> <laughs> or I mean, that like, I, yeah, this guy. is definitely like, this is, it becomes like 
real world high stakes stuff and the show does an amazing job of like personalizing it especially mm-hmm. with Mr. Pope who is a character we never yes. even met but they made me love and sympathize with him so much in like such a short time I think this episode is a uh, I, this one's great I love that part of it yeah well and it also and this is kind of a, in a macro sense but we can get into specifics of different scenes and stuff but like I think Veronica, both first by dating Logan, who became her, uh, the personification of the like white boys who get away with everything, mm-hmm. and then kind of being in her little Duncan cocoon, which she deserves a Duncan cocoon. Like I get it, <laughs> has not really been fighting for the underdog in the same way, or hasn't really been in that position whereas mr pope gives her a chance to try and she still fails that's fine but like (laughs) we at least see her connecting with a person who isn't extremely privileged um in a real way i don't know Mm -hmm. i think it's it just it just works but i mean that all comes completely by accident yeah because she's helping a little rich boy yeah (laughs) so she's on you know she's she's doing her She's doing the. I guess that's what it's. It's like I liked that we. Maybe it's less her mission and more that we saw the human consequences of the O Niner sensibility. Right. Where so maybe it's as a viewer, I've been in a cocoon from having to deal with the reality for people who aren't um, hyper privileged on the mm-hmm. show. In, yeah. in just in these three episodes, in the first season, and then later this, like we get more of it. But right now, it's like we've only hung out with like super rich people, mm-hmm. um, and dealt with like super rich people problems. Yeah, and the only reason, and the uh, and, and last week, you know, the only reason that she breaks from that in that case is because Wallace. Yeah, you know he's he's affected by the drug uh, drug test scandal, and I guess she helps out the the dri- the driver's daughter. Oh who yeah, isn't super wealthy, but like I guess that didn't feel as much like this like arrogance and class story mm-hmm. as much as this one does. Like this one is so clearly, um, rich people can get away with manipulating and essentially stealing money. Yeah. Uh, so what did you think of Veronica's? I mean, we're kind of already diving into it, but Veronica's motivation for joining the Future Business Leaders of America. To hang out with her boyfriend? Yeah. I, I don't yeah, know. I, She's like, I, I mean, I could do French class, but. I guess I. I don't mind it because I do think that she is that kind of girl. Mm-hmm. She loves a boyfriend. And that kind of girlfriend. And she likes to spend time. And I, I don't know. It's not like she chose something she doesn't care about. She's. She's really just padding her resume. So I don't know, is it more noble to pad your resume with something that you equally don't care that much about, but that you have to do by yourself? <laughs> yeah, all right. I buy that. I'm, uh, you sold me. Okay. <laughs> well, and you know what would also tell you? I don't know if you did. I, didn't, I almost warned you, but then I didn't, so I'm sorry. But have you ever watched the deleted scenes from episodes one and two of season two of Veronica Mars as oh my- put on the DVD? Oh my goodness, no. Oh my god. Both scenes, both of them uh-huh. are just Veronica Duncan cuteness. 
<laughs> like that's it. Okay, so one is from the first episode where they're it's but right before they get on the bus. So they're like walking outside uh by the lunch area and she says something like she's like, I haven't seen you in days and you're like not even acting that excited. And he's and he's like, You want me to show you how I feel? You want me to go full Tom Cruise? And she's like, Do it. And so he's jump like jumps on tables and is like, I love Veronica. She's the best. She's so sassy and snarky. And he like does a dance. You actually maybe you would hate this because it's I am cringing so hard right now. (laughs) Duncan likes her in a cringy way. And so he's like doing a whole dance and he comes running down the stairs. And but then he didn't see, almost runs straight face into Meg. (gasps) Oh. Who just kind of looks at him and is like, hi, Duncan. And then kind of looks at Veronica and then walks away. And then Duncan and Veronica walk over and there's, and that's when, that's what prompts Logan to say, ah, young love. Ah. Otherwise he's kind of being a jerk. But in fact, now he saw something cringeworthy uh-huh. and then said, young love. Okay. Yeah, so that was And I'm totally one. on Meg's side on the bus regardless. But after that fucking <laughs> public display. Oh my God. Yeah. Stay the fuck away from her, Veronica. I you know, asked for this. You specifically I, asked him to Tom Cruise. I know. I know. Oh, girl. And you no. thought it was cute, but it's not cute. Okay. So then the season, <laughs> the episode two deleted scene okay. was, uh, and this I've, wondered about before and I, th- I must have watched these deleted scenes before but i forgot so in the scene where they have sex for the first time the way it's cut in the episode is like she comes in the door he's like oh i didn't know you'd be coming back and they like they start making out and she like kind of pushes him into the bedroom he picks her up and carries her in mm-hmm. there's a weird mona lisa pillow yeah for no I, reason yes I that, like my eye always catches on i'm like why is there a fucking mona lisa pillow well, there's a reason, Colin. Because that's a recut version of the scene. Another version of the scene, he like, I don't know what prompts this. And maybe there's an offhand line that I don't remember from the episode. He like does this thing where he's like, a to- he puts a blindfold on her. And, they- and then like takes her around to different parts of the suite as if they're going on a tour of Europe. So he takes her at me, makes Ugh. tea for her. Over in London area, there's a Paris area, there's a Barcelona area with like mechanical bulls, like little tiny, like little motorized bulls. And then there's Italy with the leading tower of Pisa and the Mona Lisa, even though the Mona Lisa is in at the Louvre, but <laughs> I don't know. I guess it was it was painted in Italy. That's fine. With the Mona Lisa <laughs> pillow and all this stuff. And that's why there's the Mona Lisa pillow there. I, oh my god, that is the best editing decision they ever made on the <laughs> show. It really show. is. Well, like emotionally too, like because yes, it would. It's sweet to see them have a cute date, but uh, the yeah. emotional logic of her being so overcome, seeing someone having lost the person they loved, in you know, yeah. having that cut short, and then her being like, "Well, I'm going to live my life to the fullest," mm-hmm. is better. The Date around the room reminds me of something from like How I Met Your Mother. It's it's the fucking it's yeah, very a two minute date, which <gasps> is the fucking oh, no. worst thing on TV. <laughs> oh no, is Duncan Ted Mosby? Yes, he is, and I'm like getting. Oh no, did I ruin Duncan for myself? I think I'm done with Duncan. I think... No, we have more Duncan. We can't be done with him yet. I think oh, after man. a decade of fucking of Vona shipping. <laughs> I think I'm done with Duncan. This is what did it? Now, no, in this, this moment. Be dead. 
Oh, I thought you were going to be, I thought you would be charmed. That's why I told you about these scenes. I didn't mean to ruin it. Again, I think both of them are, I'm happy they got cut, but it reinforces my belief about what Veronica and Duncan have, Mm -hmm. which is just sweet high school relationship of two people who have fun together and want to be sweet with each other. Mm -hmm. And that's better than like i don't know a psychotic ex-boyfriend who manipulates you and makes weird jokes about fucking you i mean i agree with that sentiment wholeheartedly um yeah and i don't think anyone can argue that veronica and logan have ever been high school sweethearts you know quote unquote uh that's but she's had that with duncan since the very beginning you know even back in the uh the lily and logan days of yore well, I think it's too, it lets Veronica maintain uh, that sweet innocence that she really craves. Mm. Whereas Logan does not give that to her at all. Right, right. Like, he doesn't want to take her to prom. <laughs> he wants to get, like, drunk. He wants to take the well, car and go get drunk. Well, taking her to prom is what Leo's for. Each of these guys have a different job. Okay. Everyone has a role. (laughs) Everyone has a role to play. All right. Let's, okay, but let's take this from the top, right? That's what we usually do. Yeah. So, Veronica is at the former, uh, future business leaders of America meeting. Former business leader. (laughs) (laughs) That'll be a very different meeting. (laughs) Oh, God. I lost everything. <laughs> I honestly, that's the kind of meeting I'm interested. In. I want yeah. all business leaders to do it. Um, um, yes, but this is like essentially, uh, it's like an econ class, but for not for a school credit. It seems like where they yeah, like. I think that my, I think this is a thing. Yeah, I think this no. is a club that exists. Oh, okay. I remember in high school there were like actual class. I never took uh, economics. But um, there was a class where you got like fake stocks and stuff like that. And that was the and you had to like make a budget and whatnot. Yeah, well, we had econ class, but then also I think I don't remember if it was called Future Business Leaders of America or if it had a different name, but there was like a business club. Okay. I was not. I was very busy. I didn't have time for business. Well, you were a sporty Um, guy. I was a sporty guy. I didn't. And I didn't like know about cl- some clubs, I think. Mm-hmm. But also I didn't have a ton of time because I did I did sports and then I was doing like uh like steering com- like I did like like SGA and steering committee stuff. What what are those two things? <laughs> oh, student um, government. SGA is student government. Okay. And then at our school you had like student government which was like for the school. And then steering committee was every class had like a group. It was essentially like the people who had to make the floats at homecoming. Oh, wow. You guys had floats. We did other things throughout the year. What? You guys had floats in your town? Well, for homecoming, every class would have a float. And one year we did um, an under the sea theme. I can't. They all laddered up the homecoming theme. I can't remember what the homecoming theme. But ours was like under the sea. And we. We did it up, and for some reason, we were supposed to have a bunch of mermaids. And then at the last minute, like five girls, including me, 
decided to be mermaids. So we, we just had our sports bras on. And like, I think we wrote something on our stomachs. And then the next Monday at school, uh, I remember one of my teachers said, I saw your belly last week. <laughs> Thanks. Wow, that's your takeaway? Not the literal message written on said belly? Yeah, we were trying to say something. I think it was just rockets. I think we just spelled out the name name of uh, our mascot. But yeah, we we definitely had like people in mermaid costumes. I don't know why the rest of us just like improvised mermaids at the last minute, but we did. Um, wait, wait. So when you say you had people in mermaid costumes, and then also yeah, you were in mermaid costumes, like you, okay, so you had already designated like, <laughs> but you had designated like, okay, these four or five students will be the mermaids for our float, and then day yeah. of, you and your pals were just like, <laughs> but also I- were mermaids. Yes, exactly. And it was a pretty much that vibe of like, why the fuck did we? I mean. Maybe it's because we wanted to have the word rocket spelled out. I really can't. I cannot remember why it happened. Because Did we you had like have a girl extra tails? I don't think I even had a tail on. I think then it was just like made. a sports. I think we wore a towel. I think. I think it was no, like that... a towel on the bottom, like uh, like put a towel to to approximate a tail, uh-huh. and then sports bras and something written on our stomachs and i maybe we were hanging out of a truck because we weren't on i don't think we were on the actual float this is many this, years ago this sounds unsanctioned anyway that takes a lot of time to be on that committee so i didn't have time ah. to be in future business but probably maybe business or ours might have been like business something like BSA, I can't remember, but I was not, and I wasn't like we we had kids who were much more ambitious than I ever was. I was never trying to be. I'm. I was never a like a beaver, even though we don't right. even really see beaver be. We don't see anybody be ambitious this episode. Well, except we see. For, I guess <laughs> Kendall. Kendall. Mr. Kendall is very. Kendall's great at her job. She does it right. Yeah, man. Kendall's uh, okay. It. Her and Mr. Montana. Uh, well, he's not rocking it that well. Well, he not walks his right like, from act. the bribe. Doesn't even like keep an eye out to see if someone's following him from the bribe to his office. Yeah, Mr. Montana is like uh, he's feeling himself. He's he's way too yeah. arrogant. Like no one will ever. He's teamed up with Big Dick Casablancas, and nothing's ever going to bring him down. Well, I hope he doesn't get 42 epi- minutes into this episode. It does not work out. Um, um, but Big Dick shows up at for- at FBLA mm-hmm. to talk about R-E-I-T's. Right. Ritz. 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 Right. Ritz. Ritz. I think it's Ritz. Um, Ritz. My favorite moment of that is when uh, Beaver waves to him and he ignores it. That's what I wrote it down. That's, oh We're starting God. to get, I feel like in the first season, Beaver is sort of, is like, is a, or Cassidy, as he mm. prefers to be known. As he prefers um, to be known. Uh, Cassidy, in the first season, was really like Dick's sidekick a little bit, and kind of the guilty conscience, and we mm-hmm. we didn't really get to know much about him in this season. 
I think he's in the opening credits. We get a we get a lot more a lot more Cassidy. He is um, in the opening credits, which struck me. I didn't notice it uh, in the first two episodes, but I think that I was just too amped up on starting again and knowing that the bus <laughs> crash was coming and all that. Um, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Well, we got to the bus crash. <laughs> that part we saw. Um, but yeah, but poor Cassidy is not treated very well by his father. Um, but has a... S- strategy to fix that and his strategy is <laughs> to prove to his father that he's being cuckolded mm-hmm. um everyone loves when their son hires a private investigator to prove that their wife is cuckolding them yeah that's honestly it's like we just had father's day that's one of the things <laughs> most fathers they're like, remember that's that what i got my dad Oh, so sweet. Yeah, well, he was devastated when I gave him the report, and turns out he wasn't being cuckolded. Oh, bummer. You're I know, father. worst father's day ever. <laughs> it's like, what? Uh, I'm not so, even... <laughs> and Veronica, of course, takes the cake. Takes the, takes the case. Mm-hmm. Bef- Though it's funny. So, like, essentially, Beaver tells Veronica about the evidence that he found. He found the condom wrapper by the couch. And she's like, uh, given your brother's proclivities, it's like, okay, his proclivities for safe sex, his proclivities <laughs> for having sex in a living room. Like, it's not like he found a condom in like the freezer. Like, what? it just felt weird to call it. No, it's just weird to call it proclivities. Well, the wait, most wait. conventional, like, the second most conventional place for a teenager to have sex would probably be the couch. Like that's not his proclivities. Su- like that he's sexually active. I suppose my I, my immediate thought when he found it was, how do you know this isn't uh, dicks? Like that's that's oh, the first thing that you. went through just, my head as well. I would okay. just say it, proclivities has an implication. Given the fact that uh, Dick loves sex. Well, I'm just trying to, I'm really trying to edit it for you. I think it's less that he loves. Finding a condom wrapper on the ground mm-hmm. is less about someone loving sex and more about someone being a litterer. So maybe that's the <laughs> You could have all kinds of sex and not leave any litter. Well, I guess not all kinds. But you can have a an abundance of sex There's, and not leave any litter behind. There are multiple types of sex with zero litter. Zero litter. Sustainable green sex is possible. But yeah, no, that actually okay, so I track that. Uh I'm gonna go with she was suggesting that Dick is a messy bitch and leaves his condom wrappers everywhere he goes. Well, what she doesn't eat what he doesn't even tell her. Which to me is the biggest sign that points to Dick. It's a Monster Energy Drink brand condom. No, because if he said it was a Monster Energy Drink brand condom, she would have known it was Logan because she's had sex with Logan before. Whoa, 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 whoa. You think she's had sex with Logan before? Oh, wait, I guess not, huh? Because she lost her virginity to Duncan. Oh, crap. Well, that blows that. She has no oh, idea what brand no, of I condom thought thought you were going to have interesting headcanon i was like wait a minute colin has some summer headcanon 
that is different than what is presented on the show. I mean, the show doesn't okay. get Back of the Xterra, right before the shotgun blasts through the window. <laughs> to be honest, she, it's possible he she knows what kind of condoms he uses, whether or not they have had it. Yeah. He likes to uh, yeah. he likes to take it out of his wallet and wiggle it around as a hilarious bit. That's in no way suggesting that they actually have sex. I I think it would be a turn. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how Veronica. I guess there's fanfic of this somewhere. I'm sure. I wonder if it would be a turn off for Veronica the monster brand energy of it all. Because there's something. So I guess I guess she knows he drives an Xterra. Like she uh-huh. knows who he is. Yeah. But there's something like extra uh, grown worthy, I, I think. Yeah. Like honestly, I I picture him using, you know, like a, a more contemporary not contemporary, a a, a more uh, common brand, you know, a lifestyle, a Trojan, what have you. And Dick got a box of monster brand energy condoms for free at an event, uh, like a fucking skate demo or something at the mall parking lot. And now he's like handing them out to all his buddies. That's, that's the next explanation I could get behind. I think that's great. But none of that helps Veronica who doesn't even know the brand. (laughs) Seriously. Unless, unless he wrote it down on the piece of paper with Kendall's schedule on it. That he would. That's the thing we learn about Beaver in this episode is he is much more, uh, much smarter mm-hmm. than we had reason to believe before. He figures shit out really quick, mm-hmm. and he's much like more emotional react, emotionally reactive than we had seen from him before yeah we have seen him be like a bit of a weepy boy in the past but um the thing that i noticed is he is like a do he is truly a future business leader of america type like he wants something he takes you know he goes after it he hires the pi he's he's stealing the mp3 player he's doing all that jazz well i guess what I'm saying is he's not as passive mm-hmm. as what we've seen him be. We've seen him just be bullied by everyone. True. And yes. This yes. Like being an active participant in the story. Yeah. Totally. Um, but before Veronica can even get into Beaver's case, deputy Sachs she, is waiting for her in the parking yeah. lot. And she goes with him to the sheriff's department where then she forgets she's 18 somehow. And it's like, um, when are you going to call my dad? And I'm like, we don't have to call your dad. You're a grown up. <laughs> she's just, she's used to a certain uh, quality of life. And her dad yeah. being uh, her savior is part of that, I feel like. I think you're right. Um, yes, but this is when Sheriff Lamb reveals the whole Curly Moran. Veronica's name on the hand thing, uh, which I'm still like, I get it. All right. So I'm putting myself in Sheriff Lamb's shoes. He's like, Mm -hmm. this is obviously the first place you go look, right? You you 
talk to his family members, try to find out where he was last seen alive, what have you. But if someone's name is literally written on a corpse, you got to bring that person in. But what does he think is going on? Because I cannot put together like a theory where Veronica is involved in the murder, but also her name is written on the hand. Because that's what he wants. He wants her to be guilty. Well, I mean, there's like the most obvious reason a name would be written on a hand of a murder victim, which I don't know if it works with his style of murder, is that you would write the name of the person who just killed you on your hand so that when you're found, they know who to look for. I'm sorry, what? (laughs) You've never, maybe I've just watched a lot of episodes of detective stuff. People write names or try to leave a last message in there with their dying breath. Okay. All right. So, like, if you're shot, you're bleeding out, you might try to write Veronica Mars. Usually okay. in detective fiction, you don't write the full name, both first and last name. Usually right. you would write a V and people, or you'd write an M and people the whole time would think it's a W until the last scene when Jessica <laughs> Fletcher's like, flip it over, bitch, it's an M, Mars, you. But, like, so I think that would be one. Okay. Or he's looking for Veronica for some right. reason. Right. But so, the hand is a weird place because I think even if you were writing a phone number or something, you'd do it on the forearm. Because the hand is yeah. the first thing that gets wiped off. Especially so if you spend does, a night in the ocean. Right. So, though it doesn't get wiped off in the ocean. Um, but I, so the thing that is weird about it to me is it feels like something that's most likely post mortem. Mm but yeah that's possible but it would be even harder for him to write it on his hand after he died well in that situation david curly moran wouldn't be the person who wrote it oh i see i see um though i don't think we talked about this last week he is dressed like a trader joe's employee (laughs) we certainly did talk about it last time okay we did (laughs) Yeah, you ragged on him for that shirt last time. <laughs> I don't remember if I called it a Trader Joe's shirt. That's what it reminds me of. <laughs> yeah, it does. It looks like a... Which, did I say Trader Joe's last time? I think you did. It sounds very okay. familiar. Now I have to go back and listen to it. But do I'm they sorry, give those sorry, Trader Joe's... Do they give those like Aloha shirts away if you're a Trader Joe's employee? Or do you have to buy one? They don't all match. Yeah, but maybe they get like a bulk deal, like with some manufacturer. They're like, hey, we got to buy, we'll, we'll buy 200,000 Hawaiian shirts. Just give us a mixed bag of prints and, and, and sizes. I don't know. I always assumed it was like when you work in a place where you have to wear a black dress. And you just have to go find a black dress. Oh, wow. So I thought right. they had to source them. But okay. you're making me question that. I was so maybe, I was wondering myself. I'm not saying you're wrong by any I means. Think it's, if it is something that Trader Joe's supplies to them, mm-hmm. they supply a really good variety of sizes because it rarely looks like somebody is in a shirt that they would never put on their body because mm-hmm. of size. Like I've never seen a tight one. Yeah, I guess that's yeah. So, but is that more likely Maybe that they have big. size extra small to 2XL 
or, and all points in between, or that every Trader Joe's employee knows how to shop for themselves. I don't know. That seems suspect. A lot of people don't know how to size their clothes. We talked about this last week. I would remember if we had talked about this. (laughs) We didn't get nearly in depth as we are now if we did. All right. Well, I'm sorry if I made the same joke twice. Thank you for calling it out so I could feel bad about it. Oh, stop Um, it, Mogi. I would never intentionally make you feel bad. Okay. Uh, So Keith and Alyssa... uh, Alicia are so cute, by the way. I know. I love them. I want like, everything he likes to be good for them forever. Well, it is in these two episodes till the end. Yeah. It goes great until dinner. But yes. Keith- well, even that. Yeah. They they go. They go to Chicago. Mm-hmm. They go to a whole other city. Yeah, that's a fun trip. They go listen to jazz, which is like. Such like boring background jazz music that they're clapping yes. for. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Not clap? Yeah, I guess. Just what? Seriously, a... have you ever been to a place where live music is playing, and when the song's over, you just like sit on your hands because it was <laughs> generic or bad? No, I you I think you know from having gone to enough comedy shows with me. I give it up for oh. anything. Oh, um. That was that was pretty tough. Uh, yeah, I I I mean, I won't. I guess I clap when scenes are over in improv always because mm-hmm. I just want to help them like clean the slate. Like, let's get on. <laughs> Come I, on, guys! I, I we got eight more minutes, and we got to get through this as a team. <laughs> Come on, guys! I believe in you. You can do something less bad in the next run. Um, I try not to. Fake laugh because I don't want to. Yeah, I don't fake laugh, but I do put myself in like the most like open to finding things funny mode. Yeah, when I watch live comedy. Yeah, yeah especially yeah. when you're talking like the improv level. Mm-hmm. The more I've spent on a ticket, the the less I'm likely to fake it at all. <laughs> right. Like, but when it's like a local show uh-huh. filled with your peers who you've known for several years, then more likely to more likely to well, give it up okay, a little bit. Like, if I'm watching you perform, I'm probably not faking at all. I just really find you funny. Oh. Thank you. And I you find you funny it. as well. Christ, <laughs> we're having a tough night. Um, almost as bad as Jackie is having dealing with Veronica, the stubborn jerk face that she is. Really? Again? You and I have been on the opposite side of all of Veronica's rivalries (laughs) this entire season. Okay. I am pro Meg. I am anti Jackie. Um, I guess that's two. Jackie. Jackie was fucking rude to Veronica. And Wallace should be like fucking ride or die. And be like, and also when they're doing the, when she's complaining about Jackie's like fucking hot wind at the BBC miniseries watching party. Mm -hmm. Like she's absolutely right. Jackie is just stinking up the room with her perfume. I guess here's the thing. There's two. Okay. There's the piece of should Veronica be nice to Jackie because she's a human being. Maybe, maybe not. Cause you're right. She was once rude to her. Mm-hmm. 
But in the meantime, Wallace, not knowing that one time Jackie was rude to Veronica, <laughs> had a very cute and had a very sweet little adventure with Jackie where Jackie treated him just like they were very clear with each other of where they were and no one was taking advantage of anybody. And then Veronica wants to, and so like at that point, I think you have to call a hard reset. I guess it's, it's your job when your best friend is in a relationship with somebody, your feelings become less important. And I don't think Veronica ever puts her feelings and it's not just stuff them down. It's just like, she needs to like look herself in the mirror and be like, Oh, everything I think about Jackie doesn't matter. Right. None of my opinions matter. None of my judgments matter. None mm-hmm. of my thoughts about her matter. None of it matters because Wallace is my best friend and he likes her. Yeah. 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 She never like it. Cause well, they're not all peers. Like he's likes her. He wants to be with her. So Veronica, shut up. Yeah. And stop face when you think pe- no one's looking everyone sees your little snake face <laughs> but that is i mean that is the veronica way and you know what you're you're right uh it's time for veronica to to be the ride or die friend that wallace has always been to her and you know later she like can justify it with the whole like Jackie's seeing other people thing, but not really because Wallace doesn't even give a shit when she finally does bring it up. Yeah. She's got to fucking squash that shit. She's got to squash it. And I know we're in her head. So like, that's going to be the place where she has the most judgments, but it's like, Mm -hmm. just be, be nice. She's like all bent out of shape that, Jackie doesn't like Austin. And one of Jackie's complaints about Austin is it's a bunch of white chicks talking about shit. Well, Veronica, that is what it is. <laughs> but like, maybe and and who knows? Maybe it's because like I'm in this like anti You're in a heavy Oh, I thought you were gonna say you're in a heavy Jane Austen thing right now. I'm also doing that. I'm this is my year of Austin. I'm re- I mean, I've re- I've read them all before, but I am reading everything in Jane Austen's canon this year. Mm-hmm. I love Jane Austen. But, like, if a woman of color is telling me that she's, like, it's boring, it's a bunch of white people talking about shit, that is what it is. So, I, that's not something to ju- to be to be snotty. I don't know. I think Veronica yeah. needs to squash it because your best friend's more important than this bullshit. Mm-hmm. And like, to another point in Jackie's favor on this Veronica's got to squash it thing. Jackie's not the one holding a grudge. It's not like a Meg Veronica thing where yeah. they're both like, or where Meg's like at her, you know, like, fuck you. Um, yeah. Jackie's like, I don't even think about that shit anymore. I'm over it. Like, let's hang out and fucking oh, watch TV and shit. Being, yes. And it's being nice. Like Jackie is as much as Jackie's an annoying person. She's not being a mean person to Veronica. She's just mm-hmm. being her honest self. Yeah, I guess I think the first time I saw this, I definitely was more Team Veronica. But I think as and maybe it could just be I like Tessa Thompson, but like yeah. <laughs> Tessa Thompson did. Now, I, yeah, she blew up a lot. She blew up quite a bit. Uh, but I feel like, yeah, Veronica needs to just shut it and not just shut it. She needs to s- tell her face. If she's going to say she's neutral on Jackie, then just tell her fucking face. 
And <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And Sometimes poor, poor, poor V. Girlfriend is obnoxious she- in life. Shut up. She's spinning her wheels in her head, like thinking of all the reasons why she hates her fucking dumb old doggo donut. Just like, I like Jackie so much, don't you? Yeah. Oh, donut. It's yeah, I guess. And at this point, does Jack does does anybody know who Jackie's dad is? I don't think so. Cause I feel like Veronica. Oh, I might have a hot take. Okay, sock it to me. Okay, I think that Veronica would cut Jackie more slack if she knew that Jackie was a rich girl with a famous dad. (laughs) Oh, snap. Veronica would not like to hear that. That is not something she wants to confront. (laughs) But I I think she would have more empathy for her. Yeah. I think what she's smelling is that Jackie is trying really hard to put up a front. Okay. But, but the response to that, if you're an empathetic, kind human, is to say, wow, this person is trying to impress me, or this person must really like Wallace if they're showing off so much. Like, if somebody is being a blowhard and somebody that you love and value and know is a good person likes them, then I guess it's, it's just benefit of the doubt. I don't know. She's she's just she's not giving Jackie a chance at all. She I know, but in not in like uh what do you call it? Uh nonverbal cues. Uh she's definitely not. But she does invite Jackie to the hotel to watch. So, you know, she bites the bullet and she's like, okay, fine, Wallace, we'll give this Jackie thing a thought uh we'll give it a shot. But clearly she's retaining her veto power for later. Yes, and then when she gets the, then when she sees Jackie with another guy on a date, a date that one could assume was committed to before the double date was, before the events of the double date, because on the double date she says she's not available Friday. I guess that's the other part. You think that if Veron, if Wallace goes on one weird Pride and Prejudice double date with her, she should never, she should forsake all others. <laughs> I Which mean, is ob- yeah, obviously, Veronica, that's Veronica's seizing an opportunity to justify her hate. I'm glad you understand. Yeah, no. Um, you, look, Mogi, you could talk me out of most of my opinions on this show. No, that's not what I want to do. I just want to agree with you. <laughs> so just agree with me at the beginning before we start talking. <laughs> Um, okay, but this was one of the next thing that happens on the beaver front is one of the first moments where I was like, oh, beaver is smart because uh-huh. he is looking at the photos. Veronica's like, yeah, I haven't really proved anything yet. There's, you know, he, they close the doors and they close the blinds at the hotel, but I guess I assume they're having sex, but we can't, we don't know. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, you think I care about her switching gym bags with some guy? Mm-hmm. And that was something Veronica didn't even notice. Yeah. The bag swap. Yeah, he's got a keen eye. Um,
Are you Mo- lost? Mogi? Yeah, I was waiting. It's like, I feel like I brought up some points that I was going to give you a chance to bring up some points so we could, like, <laughs> keep talking about the episode. Um, but I'll bring up another one. So, uh, I love Dick's delight at finding out how that his dad is getting a significant return on his investment. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <fire>. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Mr. Pope fucking burns his ass so good right then. When he yeah. tells him he's going to alert the dog track. Yeah. Um, it's very cute. Mr. Pope is great. Mr. Pope has dreams. He's going to go sailing. Duncan knows a lot about boats, which is ugh, fine. Yeah, I think, I don't know. Rich people know about boats. That's yeah. what it told It felt very like, it felt very like Seth Cohen-y. Yes. Uh, there's definitely, I think Duncan is more of a Seth than anyone else on this show. Yeah. Maybe Wallace is a bit of a Seth. Um, but yeah, that would but Wallace has, got, Wallace has got self-confidence, at least. Yeah, Wallace has got more confidence than that. You're right. Um, I feel like it's a rich boy thing. And a, like, yeah, regular to, people can't afford a boat. Right. I mean, to me, it's it's kind of the same thing of, like, when people can identify cars from a distance, like, mm-hmm. by model number and stuff like that. Like, all right, that's great that that's a thing you're interested in and you like them. Ugh, fine. You know. All right, Duncan, you know the brand name of a sailboat. Real cool. Yeah, I guess that I, I'm with you if it's like a roll your eye moment, but I think it's 100% supposed to be. I think we're supposed to be yeah. like, okay. <laughs> also, I feel like it's weird and maybe it's just me and maybe it's just a trust fund thing, but I don't think it's an established that someone calls Duncan Kane a billionaire. Mm. He doesn't have any money of his own. His parents are both alive. He is not yeah. a billionaire. Wait, who calls him a billionaire? Veronica, right? I think Veronica calls him a billion. My billionaire boyfriend. And I was like, no, yeah. you don't. You have a son of billionaire's boyfriend. He may uh, one day be an incipient billionaire for sure. We can say that probably, unless his parents decide to donate everything to charity. But like, I mean, your boyfriend is not. Happen. They could be. They could become former business leaders of America. They could become day. former business leaders. They could make Duncan the head of Kane Software in the third season. It doesn't happen. Don't worry. But like, <laughs> it just was a weird moment to like, you don't have a billionaire boyfriend, Veronica. Yeah. Like, like maybe, and I don't think it's a billion dollars, but I feel like Aaron Eccles money, you could say is in Logan's control right now. So he has millions of dollars, but I don't, you couldn't say like, like, cause like, cause Logan makes that joke in the in the meet in the commit in the club meeting room mm-hmm. like oh i'm only worth a million dollars what happened i lost so much money mm-hmm. and that i think is accurate i think if you went into logan's bank account there's more than a million dollars <laughs> or his, like things in his name you know what's in duncan's name nothing nothing he's probably he working on an allowance the uh all the bills and stuff for the neptune grand i'm sure go straight to the Kane accounts, you know, he doesn't 100%. have to see any of that. He moved in, didn't deal with any of the logistics of that. You know, Celeste took care of that for him. Yeah. Which I, I am shocked that Celeste let that fly. She must have like be 
comatose and a fucking Valium martini or something through all of this. I think, yeah, I think she is for sure. And I wonder how much, because she's never been that good at standing up to Duncan, mm-hmm. or at least since dead. So, like, I could see if she was like, I cannot be in Neptune anymore. And he's like, well, I'm going to stay in Neptune. And she's like, suit yourself. <laughs> and then she like, came back and gave him money. Yeah. Okay. But you're right. It's weird. It's, I think it's, I don't know. I mean, this happens on teen TV shows. I feel like you get characters who, for whatever reason, get become emancipated. It happened on Roswell. One of the characters, mm. like, first season just gets emancipated. And then all of a sudden, now there's a place that they can hang out in the middle of the night and have meetings. Yeah, whereas in real life, you have to, like, make friends with someone who's flocking out of community college and has a... uh <laughs> to be your friend, but yeah. they have an apartment. <laughs> exactly. An apartment with no parents and a bong? I'm there. Oh, God. Uh, but no, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, yeah. that would, But also, you don't really want to watch a show about that character. <laughs> I think that character has a bad rap, but yeah. Um, I so, mean, the character's pathetic. Like, it's a bad rap, like, like they should want more for their lives. That's the bad rap I'm talking about. They got a okay. gang. They're like a Pied Piper. They got a gang of plucky high schoolers following them around. It's kind of like they Kendall, need- to be honest. That is interesting. Kendall, who is like, so confident in this episode. I know she's got her heart up in the red zone. She's getting her yep. smoothies, her colonics, mm-hmm. straight kill on the game. Um, what did you think of the uh, the iPod switch move that Veronica pulls on? Her? I thought it was pretty effective. Me too. I mean, I love it. I do think that like someone who is more suspicious mm-hmm. would it. It wasn't like I don't think Veronica has a future in sleight of hand. Yeah, she's they they definitely it. on that they didn't help her with that close up shot of her switching them. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that smooth, but in yeah. effect, very smooth because Kendall had no idea and was like, and even and then when she co- complimented Kendall's butt, Kendall was like, "Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I do." Have- yeah, um, I love it. It's a no, move that we see Veronica do from time to time. It's one of my favorites when like when you can't be sneaky for whatever reason, you have to just yeah. go the opposite direction and be like, I am so like in your face and loud and distracting and you mm-hmm. kind of want me away that that's yeah. like that's the move to get one over on you. And I love I love yeah. seeing that. And in a way, because I've also been watching a lot of Columbo lately, mm-hmm. um, it's also very like Columbo about it too, because it lets the other person, she lets the other person feel like they're the alpha and that right. they're, can, and she's just like an annoying gnat who keeps out, who's bugging them about stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, like you're actually being outsmarted by being allowed to think you're smart. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, it's a good little switcheroo. It is a good switcheroo. We also have a boy fight in this episode. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was Duncan's? What was uh, uh, Logan's hilarious burn? It was something. Oh, couldn't uh, couldn't plug her right the first time. 
and then a fun little Duncan smirk, uh, smirk at Duncan. Yeah, smirk. I mean, it was the, considering. How the, I mean, I guess I don't know if Duncan knows the other things he's been saying to Veronica. <laughs> this was pretty. <laughs> um, unless, oh God, I never thought about it this way. They don't. He's not referring to last to two years ago, right? Um. Oh my goodness. He wouldn't do that. That's... That now now I'm like, okay, Duncan, you were right to attack him. If that's what you're Yeah, thinking. that's savage. And now that you've said that I cannot unhear it. Like yeah, uh cool. it's like, hey, here's a fun little joke about that time you raped your girlfriend, you sick fuck. Mm-hmm. But hey, glad you're you back together you now. Better. You you thought was your sister. Okay, so that's what he was talking about. Yeah, no, Dunky, you should have beat him up. Good call. Yeah, Good job. Fisticuffs. Um, Fisticuffs. My, favorite, my favorite part about that fight is just how involved the school nurse wants to get in, in it. Which is not very... You think she wants to be involved? Yeah, she just assumes that they're fighting over someone. I like that the nurse doesn't, or no, the nurse does end up gendering it, but she's like, whoever you two are fighting over, she's not going to be impressed. Like, yeah, I don't know who, who asked, how do you know that's what they're fighting over? Yeah. We didn't, we just realized what they were fighting over. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. She is kind of nosy. And also it's really not her business in any way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to be too hard on her. I just that just struck me like who were, did anyone mention it? Did the teacher? Did Mister Pope come in and be like, "Hey, these two are fighting over a girl," and throw him into the office and walk away? I mean, it could be even more famous than that, right? Because Veronica was like famously, maybe she's trying to play. Maybe she's actually playing dumb. Oh, like whoever it could be, whatever little blonde, whatever blonde detective. Team. <laughs> and she hates her that's why she says she's not worth it or no she's really impressed. she doesn't say she's not worth it okay so she's actually she really I admires Veronica, Veronica. whoever she may be <laughs> uh, but Logan tries to assert she would probably be impressed mm-hmm. and she, I like whatever. this scene because they get to the thing finally we finally get yep. to we find out that they're not really fighting over Veronica. They're fighting over Aaron and Weevil and the O-Niners versus the PCHers and the Sharks versus the Jets and all that. Yep. And Logan's pissed that Duncan kind of ghosted him this summer. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Which on one hand is valid, but on the other hand, Duncan's point is pretty good of like, yeah, I ghosted you because I was dealing with the knowledge that your father murdered my sister. Mm-hmm. So I had to kind of deal with that before I could be ready to be bros again. And by the way, when I came back to be bros, you were on a weird class war. <laughs> yeah. Which has never been Duncan's speed. Like, war is not Duncan's speed. <laughs> no. So not hardly like, at all. Remember, remember how uninvolved involved he was in Troy? Yeah, he does not want, he does not want war. No, he doesn't want any of that mess. No war, no drug smuggling, 
no, no murder mystery solving even really he got he tagged along a little bit at the end but for like a day or two he just got dragged in his yeah. he was, it was not his vibe really he just found a curly haired waitress poking through his sister's air vents <laughs> he didn't really get involved Turned until out, that moment was, yeah it was his erstwhile girlfriend uh-huh uh but yeah i really like when logan is all sad he's like i hate him too you know Hmm. Uh, and then he <laughs> I cries. The nurse is like, "Ooh, so much hot gas." <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, is it stinging? Or are you crying for other reasons?" <laughs> <laughs> but no, and it's a good performance by Jason Doring. Probably one of his most. Uh, one of Logan's like more vulnerable or honest moments, I think. I think with mm-hmm. Veronica, he gets guard up both in this episode and the next one when we see him talk to her. It's very, um, it's very like old Duncan, old Logan. Mm-hmm. Sorry, yeah, it's yeah. like very performative and uh, emphasis on assholery versus mm-hmm. honesty. Yeah, snark versus heart. Yes, he goes full snark. Um, which do you think that is what led Curly to being so unpopular at the mechanic shop? That he was all snark? Yeah, I don't know. It was a segue attempt. But they seriously don't give a shit that this guy is dead. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've had jobs where how long are they going to mourn for you? You just show up and work and go home. Like I don't believe that for a second, Mogi. I I bet you there are still Mendo uh, employees to this day that wonder what you're up to and how you're doing. Oh, that's very nice. Um, that could be true. And I I guess it's like I okay. I, and I guess that means that I'm more uh, engaged in life than Curly was. We don't mm. know a lot about. David Curly Moran. Right. We know his name and his nickname. Mm-hmm. We know he was in the long haul. Oh, wait, we don't know that yet. We know that he has a photo of Aaron Eccles saying, Always uh, your friend for the long haul. After all these years, still on the long haul. Love, Aaron. Yeah, if you don't know, it seems like a really weird thing <laughs> to write. <laughs> Once you know you're trying to shoehorn in the name of a movie, it makes more sense. But like, right. what? Come yeah, on, yeah, Aaron. yeah. Uh, <laughs> wait, let me try to let me try to do one. So someone's okay. going through your effects and they find an autographed uh, photo of me. Let's say just an autographed mm-hmm. headshot of me, and it yeah. says, "Hey, Mogi, thanks for the sugar. Come on now." Something like that. Does that? Yeah, that would that be play? great. All right. Would that clue now? If you're a detective, would that clue you towards anything? Thanks for the sugar. Come no, on. No, but in this situation, my name is very clearly linked to this podcast. Okay. So yeah. I think I would put it together. Well, and your name is also linked to this podcast. That's true. Both of our names. Oh. Uh, appear together in the logo of the podcast. So I think it might be something where I wouldn't get it right away, but when that once I did a modicum of research on my own death, I guess. 
like, I would were, then know what, oh, what was going on. Like perhaps if you were walking down a hallway and saw a big poster that said, come on now, sugar and featured both of our names on it. Exactly. exactly like Veronica so. discovers. Just like Veronica. Okay. I think that's later in the episode, but we can talk about it. Let's talk about it. She goes, okay. she goes to catch uh, Logan in the uh, act of doinking Kendall. Which, oh, I guess we got to talk about. Okay, the first I don't know first. if she's, I wonder, I always wonder what she's trying to catch. I don't know if she's trying to catch him in the act. I think she's theoretically trying to warn him. Because she reveals in, accidentally, mm-hmm. she reveals to Beaver that, uh, that Kendall and Logan are having an affair. Because she doesn't mm-hmm. look at all the pictures before she shows Beaver, which, come on, girl. <laughs> it was oh, 2,000 images. Yeah. She doesn't have that kind of time. But yeah, she gets distracted by uh, pop rock superstar Courtney from uh, what uh, what the fuck are they called? The Danny Warhols. Warhols. Yeah. <laughs> Things love hurts. And in the meanwhile, one, we see uh, Tessa, T- we see Jackie with another guy. And also mm-hmm. we see that Logan is having sex with Kendall. Yeah, because it's captured on the secret camera in the iPod switcheroo. Yes. Um, and so she goes to confront him. Potentially because she wants to catch him red-handed, but it's not clear. Yeah. And maybe not even to warn him against Big Dick, but maybe just to fucking have it out with him. Seems even more likely, right? Well, that's that's what she does. Like, she's very rude to him. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And we know Veronica won't suffer anyone like breaking her code of conduct right yeah and i think i was thinking because i was thinking about it today when i was walking the dog and i was thinking about mm-hmm. veronica mars um and especially in this episode but i think it's a thing that just becomes true about her for the rest of the series um but it's uh, in the second season it's very clear is that she has this righteousness and in season one all that righteousness is settled is centered on avenging the murder of her best friend Sure. And then later a little bit about her own rape, but like mostly it's about avenging the murder of her best friend. Mm -hmm. So like that righteousness, like is like almost is like more morally justified. Whereas now she has the same sense of all of her decisions are the right decisions and people should bow down to her code of ethics when Mm -hmm. she doesn't have a larger, like what, at least right now she doesn't seem to have a larger mission yeah like, or like it doesn't about, tie in. yeah there's Sorry, not like ahead. a thematic there's no like moral principle that this is to mm-hmm. yeah it's I just mean, shouldn't fuck kendall why not <laughs> well uh, yeah she kind of justifies it with the whole like oh you've got a death wish you know big dick casablancas is gonna kill you um, but honestly, not to, uh, you know, uh, not to accuse her of anything, but it makes more sense to me that really she's just hurt that he's fucking anyone. Oh, I think that's totally true, but she doesn't then later realize that she was really unfair to him because he has every no. right. She dumped him. Mm-hmm. He could be fucking 30 Laker girls. 
Right. It would still not be her business. Mm-hmm. And even in that moment, she knows that the reason she found this out was was Trent, uh, like, not transcendent, uh, accidental or not on purpose. But the mm-hmm. way she tells him, she doesn't tell him that. <laughs> and then she's pissy that he's pissed at her. But it's like, no, you just busted in on him, said that you spied on him, and revealed his affair. What? And then turned it over. Yeah, without, yeah, turned yeah, it over to it, like, the people who were going. Like, I don't know, man. I get, I, all of her feelings are real and justifiable. It's that she is wrong. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and I think that <laughs> in the first season, and maybe it's just me watching it, but in the first season, she would be wrong, but you'd be like, okay, she's doing the wrong thing in service of this m- major goal. And maybe mm-hmm. when that's done, she'll stop doing the wrong thing. But in these two episodes, it's clear, and like I said, I, I think this is a thing that's true the rest of the series. She is not a hero who always does the right thing. Yeah. Like, her treatment of, of Logan here is not cool. Yeah. No, Mogi, I, I totally hear you. And I, oh, I hate to break it to our fans out there. It really gets so much worse in that regard. Oh, it gets worse. Sorry, we yeah. alluded many times. Yeah. To how we're gonna eventually uh, resent Veronica in a lot of ways. Um, yes, and it's very similar in some ways. Uh, and I'm not the first person to compare these two shows, but it's mm. similar in some ways to Buffy Summers. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, not the thing of having a mission and then stepping aside from the mission, but the like sense of self righteousness that becomes a feedback loop for yourself. So yes. that you can't accept the flaws of others and then only see others' flaws in reflection of yourself. Which, mm-hmm. And you can't also be the judge and jury if you're that wrapped up in yourself. I mean... Uh, yeah. And I will say we may see uh, similar, um, similar reinforcements happen with Veronica's story as we go. But in defense of Buffy, her major like instance of this is when she excludes the Scoobies from the decision-making process and they mm-hmm. reinforce that decision time and time again. Yes. And, and maybe this is the mission part that, like I said, Veronica in first season, because she is going after Lily's killer has like this mission. Mm-hmm. We also start every episode of Buffy reinforcing. She is the chosen one. She's the only one in her generation. That's mm-hmm. not really true. About it. She <laughs> she's is one the of three in her gender. Oh no, one of dozens. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh no, there's so many. But no, she is the chosen one. She does have supernatural ability and instincts and all of those things. So like Veronica is just a girl. Now she's a very smart girl. She's one of my favorite girls in fiction. She's mm-hmm. like super sassy and cool and cute. She's she's got a lot going for her. But she is not. <laughs> There's no supernatural element that is pointed to why she's the special snowflake. She's the special one. Yeah. But sometimes she lives like the world should just get in line, get aligned with what she thinks is right. Yeah, absolutely. Even though she learns that what she thinks is right is wrong, like all the time. Like she's allowed to change her mind and learn new things. (laughs) But. You know yeah. whose moral compass uh, I was so impressed with because it is so righteous and true, uh, and from what we've seen, just completely unwavering. Mister Popes, 
Oh, Mr. Pope. I love you, Mr. Pope. Oh, my God. When she... So, yes, she spies on Kendall. She notices or figures out what's going on behind the brief... Or the gym bag swap in Kendall's earlier affair with uh, Mm -hmm. Mr. Montana. She tracks the... Because what cues her off is she sees the Sandpiper Hotel where they're meeting shares a name with one of Casablanca's properties, Sandpiper Hotel, which is supposedly like way big and beautiful and worth $60 million. And Mr. Pope was bragging about how he was invested in it and how he's going to retire. And she follows her, uh, Kendall's like lover, quote unquote Mm -hmm. lover, follows him to the, was it city auditor or something like that? County commissioner? The assessor. The people who, how much things are worth Mm -hmm. follows him there finds out that he himself is mr montana through Mm -hmm. a little more classic veronica trickery and then puts all these pieces together figures out it is a huge ponzi scheme brings it to mr pope he fills in the last bits of the puzzle for her and then Mm -hmm. she tries to warn him with a little insider trading and he like stands firm and he's like, no, because if I sell my stock, it'll ruin someone else's life. Right. I, There's ugh. no refunds. And so he's like, yeah, I'm not going to find another sucker and pass this along. Mm-hmm. You Which don't dump is, stocks, Veronica. You sell them. Well, I believe uh, this to somebody who is uh, a, <laughs> a, the leader of Future Business Leaders America. Maybe not. But he is a public <laughs> school teacher. So exactly. some element of him that is moral. He um, himself is in no way a future business leader no. of America. He is a public <laughs> high school teacher. He's public high school <laughs> and just a very nice man. Yes, very nice. I wrote in my notes, teacher is moral. Mm-hmm. And it's really nice, even because like I said, Veronica's ready to like support him in getting out and getting ahead for himself, and he he won't do it. Yeah, that's and that's classic, easy. like, Veronica's way or the highway. She doesn't even, for a second, consider that this is a crime, uh, that she's providing him with insider information. Okay, uh, but is it a crime to tell someone that a thing is a fraud? Is this, oh, wait, is this a crime the way, like, ever, anytime telling, saying that someone else is doing a crime is a, is a crime to you? Wait, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Are you accusing her of being a rat? Because I don't no. think it's a crime if you have proof that something's a fraud to tell people that it's a fraud. If you're an investigator who discovers that uh, there's like this, you know, fraudulent stocks and you go to a shareholder and you say, sell your stocks before I turn this into the police, that's insider trading. I don't think that's true. I think if you are a uh, congressperson, like I think there's there are people who, but like, and I don't know. She's not even a licensed PI. She's just a person who did some legwork. Hmm. I don't like. Think otherwise, that, then like the mad money guy, if he comes on and says Harley Davidson stock is weak, he's not doing insider trading. He's just doing research. If someone, if he finds out that Harley Davidson isn't really selling motorcycles. And it's a secret. Then you should tell everybody. You said, can tell everybody. But you can't tell someone specifically sell your stocks now before I tank this company. 
you can't do that if the thing you're doing I don't I don't I guess I'm saying I get what insider trading is. I don't know that fraud falls under the umbrella of insider trading. In the same way if Veronica discovered Casablanca was getting everything ready so that he could sell to another company mm-hmm. and that everybody who didn't who still had stocks or stocks would be pe- worthless, that would be insider trading if she gave that information out. But I think revealing crimes of a company isn't a crime. But maybe no. I'm going back to the whistleblower statute. Ah, uh, but that's that applies if you're telling the authorities, which she does. I'm just saying, given Mr. Pope this out uh, ahead of time, what I think is the correct thing to do for a friend, I think Mr. Pope was right to deny it. Maybe I'm wrong on the law. I'm no lawyer. Yeah. I I don't know the law. I like I said, I think that insider I don't know that fraud. If you're a lawyer and you listen to this, you can tell us. We don't have evidence about any frauds. And even if we did, we wouldn't tell you because we don't know if that would be insider trading. <laughs> Um, yeah, and that's true. And you know what? Think about this. Who knows if the police officer you're reporting it to also owns stock in that company? So don't tell them either. So hey, that could a be insider trading. Like Cress Williams. <gasps> um, we don't know his name yet, so that's what I have to call him. Yeah. Um, he flashes his badge after. Cha- oh, do we say that he chases Alicia, going share, share, share. Uh, we have not talked about that yet, but that happens in the jazz club in Chicago. Yes. And then he goes to the front desk and is like, hey, uh, tell me who those people were. And they're like, we don't yeah. do that. And he's like, it's a freaking badge, bitch. And then the guy's like, oh, here's our information. <laughs> Which still, I don't think you're supposed to do. Again, no, I'm not actually off. Yeah. But I still- <laughs> and here's something, and I don't know. I feel like this happens in movies. I don't know if this is how it happens in real life. I don't inter- interact with a lot that I know of a lot of plain clothes officers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it feels like a lot of times, at least in movies, when they're going to show their badge, they also flash their gun. Or is yeah. that just-, <laughs> just, it's just a little punctuation mark. Um, well, to me, it's part, I mean, I, you know, fuck the cops, but it's, there's an intimidation factor. But again, I don't know if that's yeah. a real life intimidation factor or just in television and movies. Um, I have also been lucky enough to never encounter a, a play closed police officer. But uh, yeah, I wonder. I feel like it's, uh, you know, it's probably one of those things where if uh, if police and detectives see enough cool looking police and detectives doing it in the movies. Yeah, probably happens in real life, right? Did I ever tell you about the time my dog met a plainclothes officer? <laughs> not not the dog you've met. My dog when I was growing up, Browser, who was a golden retriever. Okay. Was Browser mm-hmm. having one of his famous babies day out? He was day? having a baby's day out. And okay. he had got my brother my dad came to pick my brother and I up at our elementary school. That I was about to tell you that about the neighborhood. It's not gonna make any difference to you. It's a suburban neighborhood. It doesn't matter. Could be okay. one of millions. Okay. Sure. Uh, it'd be like it's by Bell Elementary, but that doesn't mean any. I mean, that might mean something. That be you. I just, yeah, that's where I went to elementary school. Uh, but anyway, so my dad had to run in to get us, 
Um, and so he left the dog in the car with the windows cracked and cracked like, and my dad always shows us his hands, like four inches. And my dog was a golden retriever. It's not a little dog. <laughs> Big ass dog. And my dad was so sure, like, oh, the dog's not going to get out. Um, sure. and it's going to be two minutes. I'll go get the kids to come out. So we come out, the dog is gone. And this neighborhood where this elementary school is, is not that close to home. So it's, we're not that, like, we're not near home. Mm-hmm. We are a drive. So we're walking around, wandering, trying to find him. And then eventually, I think, and this was also pre-cell phone days. I'm old. Oh, and yeah. so I think that the st- here's what my d- mom got a call at home that they had found my dog. But of course, we were not at home. But anyway. The oh, dog. so you guys are out wandering the streets, though. Yeah, we're wandering the streets looking for the dog. I don't even know if my mom knew the dog was missing yeah. at the time when she got the call. The call was from an undercover cop because they had been doing some kind of stakeout. And my dog walked, and they had a, their window was all the way open. And my dog had walked up to this car and jumped in the window of some random car. And the car that he uh-huh. randomly jumped into was an undercover cop doing a stakeout. <laughs> I, that's awesome browser yeah browser is a good dog he, I mean, yeah. he ran away a lot a real yeah. pain in the butt but he still lived like one of those things where he should have gotten hit by by all rights he should have gotten hit by a car but he lived for like 15 years he lived so long <laughs> he lived a long time he ran much slower by the end but like oh. yeah, he was, he's a good golden retriever and the fact that he of all ca- of all cars that he could have jumped into, he jumped into an undercover cop car. That is very yeah. very fun. I don't know if the car then the cop then flashes badge and gun at the same time. We'll yeah, it's like, hey, be a good boy, and he sat or something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what do you want from a dog. What do you? What else could you possibly want from a dog? And he's a he was a very cute. He was like you know typical golden retriever, but like very he was a cute he was a cute dog. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, I spent a significant part of my childhood chasing it or running through, walking through the neighborhood <laughs> calling his name. Because you can't chase him because if you chase a dog, then they think it's a game. And uh-huh. then you'll be chasing him for way longer. <laughs> um, I don't know how to get from there to the end of this episode, but at the end of this episode, mm-hmm. Veronica comes into Duncan's uh, suite crying and saying that she, the, res- the bus crash was about her. Yeah. Well, because uh, she puts it all together from the movie poster because the big extreme stunt in the movie, The Long Haul, which was performed by uh, Curly Moran, is a truck driving off a bridge, which is pretty similar to a bus driving off a cliff. Logistically. Okay. I don't think I got that on this watch. I don't know why my brain was because. So she thinks that there was an attempt on her life. And mm-hmm. then a sec. And then she saw a guy at the memorial, but he was really a plant who was there to take a second attempt at her life. Um, or perhaps he was, uh, feeling remorseful about killing a van full of kids, a bus full so of kids. Wrote, that was his confession on his hand. Um, 
Yeah, well, that's the thing. The hand thing still doesn't make sense to me. The hand thing still doesn't make sense. I guess I also, and this is Maybe, well, back to yeah. like where I've got some Veronica. We've had some good end of the episode things in the past two episodes, and then in the next episode, we have good like stingers. This stinger does not work, and you know why this doesn't work for me? Because the beginning of the next episode, she doesn't even care about the bus crash. <laughs> she cares about Meg. Yeah, it puts Meg but, back at the front of her mind. That's like, nice. She remembers Meg is is in a coma, but she doesn't mm. like go. Oh, I feel guilt about this. I should invest. I mean, that's the other part. It takes quite a while for her to think about investigating the bus crash in any interesting way. Right. She has. Or I guess I mean, maybe- she thinks she's out. She thinks she's done. Um, because of the uh, what the hell was the name of the driver? Who uh, driver Ed? Driver Ed. Ed. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Ed. So she thinks she's done. She did her. She did her bus investigation. I mean, what else could people want from her? Well, but what she proved is that Ed didn't try to kill himself. So he didn't drive over the thing on purpose. Hmm. Guess doesn't really prove how the accident happened, just that it was an accident. Well, or that it wasn't caused by him. Mm-hmm. Because we know, because like, the combination of no brakes, because there's mm-hmm. no brake, uh, what do you call it? Brake lines? What do you, uh, uh, skid, skid marks. Skid marks. Skid there's marks. no skid mark. So the combination of no skid marks and that this guy didn't want to kill himself equals something had to be, there had to be a malfunction in the bus. Right, right, right. Perhaps the brake line. But for line. somebody who feels like it's all about her, she really does not work to close any of, like, and then even the piece that does come up, the piece with Weevil, she kind of just pokes at that a little bit, and then Weevil gives her a bunch. But um, she's not, like, hardcore investigating. Mm-hmm. She you're, sees, she's making fun of Weevil the, uh, and the- then remembers about the earring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, she's got a lot on her plate. Like, Julie Block is a handful. How much do you want her to take on? Keith is already, he's up to his neck in it. I mean, come on. But I guess that's why that cliffhanger sucks to me. And I'll always <laughs> We're getting to parts of the show that I don't like. That's one that I've always thought. Because when I saw that, I was like, oh, my God, we're really going to get into it. Mm-hmm. And then I waited a week of my life. Uh-huh. And then I saw the next episode and we didn't get into it at all. It is. And, yeah. And the show introduces more weirdness with Meg, which I thought that weirdness was resolved in this episode. That's not even resolved in this episode. No, I don't know how many episodes. Different. But it's not yet. We got, we can't, so we can't even talk about the weirdness. I mean, we can talk Our... about the weirdness. Our Meg storyline for the season has now just been planted in this episode. Yes. Like you, because it very much feels like, okay, Meg's a problem for uh, Veronica and Duncan. Let's put her on ice. Let's stick her in a coma for a while. And then that way we can bring her back if that storyline like feels appealing again. But I will, I declare that is not the case. Like, her storyline is just beginning, and we see it all play out in the hospital lobby eventually. But yeah, I was gonna say we haven't seen it all play out at all. That's what I'm saying. But, 
But we're it's planted. We're planting the seed. We're yeah. introducing it. And again, if we had ended last episode with Veronica on the phone being like, or even Veronica finding out that Duncan is there every day. That mm-hmm. would have been a great last scene of the last episode because it would have some meaning to what we do with uh, next. Instead, and I, and I'm not saying she's never going to go back to the bus crash. Or that the bus, I'm, yes, the bus crash is the mystery of the season. Like, of course it is. It's a huge mm-hmm. deal. But like, end of season episode three, beginning of episode four. It, it's like she forgot that she had a mental breakdown, thinking that she, it was about her. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many things are about her, really, if you think about it. Julie's whole case becomes about her by the end of the episode, oh, remember? Right. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> shitty of her. Uh, when it's like, how did she not... Whatever, we'll get there. Um, but it's fun to see the Mars for Sheriff signs. He's, like, officially fully in the race. Mm-hmm. Um, we also meet Colin, the sketchy trust fund guy. Mm-hmm. Sketchy Scottish trust fund guy. Yes. So much um, hotter than regular guys. Yeah. And then uh, good old Keith is like, hey, Veronica, don't worry about uh, working a job that makes you real money. Just get the Kane co- scholarship. You know, that thing that only is given out to one person, the valedictorian. <laughs> and that we've seen before rich people can swindle you out of really easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does like, he want? Fuck? Yeah. Well, Keith's disconnect, you know, classic fucking he does it in the elevator in the previous episode where he I mean, come on, how like sketchy and weird was the whole like share thing and like diving into the elevator and she's clearly like upset and then just changes the subject and Keith wants everything to be okay, So he just lets it be okay, And he, you know, yeah. okay, Oh, all right. You know, that's. He doesn't want Veronica to live his life. And so when it suits him, he just declares it bad and, yeah. you know, puts his little daddy foot down. Um, how cute is the uh, the AM donut run? That is very cute, especially because everyone sees through it. Mm. Um, I also like little Wallace, whatever the kid is. I never remember his little brother's uh, name. Yeah, isn't it uh, Tracy Diggs the fourth? I don't believe that that's the character's name, but yes, okay. it is Percy Diggs's Percy little Diggs. Yeah. Um. Uh, so we call him Little Percy or Little Wallace. Uh. Yeah. But he he's, he's jagged. He's like you hitting that. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, inappropriate. But that's why it's funny. Yeah. Uh, no, that's good. Yeah. Uh, and Alicia and Keith are still cute. Alicia asked for a gun. Keith's like, how about me? I'll protect you. Yeah, baby. No guns uh, for sandwiches in this office. That would be weird. That would um, be so weird. And then Keith... And she, so at that point, she tells him, you know, that guy that I told you was just some guy that I didn't mm-hmm. know. Who, no, that guy I told you I didn't know who he was or why he was calling me Cher. Well, <laughs> turns out he's my ex boyfriend. Yeah. Like, okay. She's like, so- roughly 20 years ago, definitely more than 18 and nine months years ago. Um, <laughs> I, we dated, uh, but I haven't seen him in a while. He's a creep. Um, and she gives the name, right? 
Uh, yes. Okay. So she gives a fa- she gives a name to Keith, and mm. then Keith catches the guy peeking in the windows. Yeah, and my favorite joke of the entire series finally happens. Oh, yeah. All right. Who do you want to be? I'll be the guy poking in the windows. The okay. joke isn't a two-person joke. It's true. It's, it's just a one guy liner. delivers it, but I'll be the other guy. All right. So you're going to be receiving of said joke. I'll receive the joke. <laughs> All right. Uh uh uh-uh. Careful, or the next time I shoot you, it won't be digitally. Unless I hit you in the finger, and then we'll have a laugh. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, digital, it's got two meanings. Yeah, no, I wrote it down. It's a good joke. It's the best. But yeah, Keith is, uh, Keith's good, you know. It's again kind of like the, um, like being the pestering gnat strategy of getting what you want out of a perp or a mark, you know. Yeah. Get right up in his face with a telephoto lens and, mm-hmm. you know, let him know, like, hey, I know everything about you. I'm on to you. You're out of here, kid. Yeah, get on a plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he even tries to turn him into Sheriff Lamb, who right. is suspicious, but, you know, when some, when it's an opportunity to be lazy, he's kind of into it. So he doesn't <laughs> keep out completely. Yeah. Well, and... It's it is funny because Keith does have an ulterior motive, which is exactly what Sheriff Lamb accuses him. Oh of. yeah, so That's exactly what's up. Well, I don't know. I feel like Lamb's being an accidental cop in this moment. Yeah, I mean, we find out that he does do his due diligence on the other end. So I guess mm-hmm. I'm giving him the credit. I mean, should he be the sheriff? No. Is he a moral person? No. But I think he does like basic cop shit. Yeah, only if his perceived enemy is the one who's behind the tip. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah, he looked it up. He made a phone call. That's what you're praising the lamp for? Praising? I'm just saying this is. He didn't stumble into dialing that digit, those digits. He did an activity that is a cop uh-huh. activity. All right. He did a cop thing. Point lamb. Fine. Yeah. And the gloating about it to Keith was not it. And the stupidity to not realize that if Keith used an alias, Keith might not have known the Like, to me, that's mm-hmm. what I would have rubbed his face, his face in. Oh, like, you don't, you don't know the know. difference between the alias and the guy's real name. Like, you mm-hmm. just got played, sir. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, I, that's if I were. Sheriff Lamb, that's where I would be rude to. Instead, he's like, you tried to make me look dumb. And it's like, yeah. no one has to try that hard. Sheriff Lamb. <laughs> um, yeah, but I feel like the next movement in that storyline is the final scene of the episode, which we could get to if we want. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, we could we could double back a little bit if you All want. Right. Our to. B plot is, is mo- well, I guess there's, I don't know if it's our B or our C plot, but we have the Meg plot, which mm-hmm. is Veronica finally remembers that Meg is in a coma and is like, oh, I should check and see if I could go visit. You know, <laughs> yeah, give her some. But she's like, she's like, oh god, hospitals weird me out, but I really should go check on my friend who's in a coma. <laughs> Yeah, my friend who hates me and won't be happy to see me. Um, so she brings flowers. She shows up. And who does she run into? Duncan. And yep. then you hear Meg's dad 
and and Meg's mom, who I don't think has any lines, uh, but Meg's dad is like, "Get out of here, Duncan! You show up every single day to be with to see Meg, and I tell you to get out every day." Mm-hmm. Um, and then he tells them that it's their fault that Meg was on the bus. Yep. Which, Which is pretty unfounded. That's like so inside information. Like that's Veronica's delusion that Duncan is constantly trying to talk her out of. Did Duncan mention it to Meg's parents while they were kicking him out of the hospital one day? Maybe. Or Lizzie said something mm. like, because I'm sure there's gossip about how there was a, that everyone rode up in the bus together and some people rode back in a limo behind the bus. Mm-hmm. But Lizzie wouldn't well, have gotten into the fact that Meg had a boyfriend, even. Lizzie wouldn't I, want her parents to find out about that. An open boyfriend. Oh, yeah, I guess he must have been, and that's why they... Boyfriend. Yeah, I think she's allowed to have boyfriends. She's just not allowed to have sex. Mm-hmm. Because remember, her other boyfriend, I think, was an open boyfriend they knew about. The really bad, the shitty guy she dated. Yeah, purity yeah, the, the purity test boy. I don't think it was a secret from her parents that he existed. Okay, so Lizzie is like, their parents are like, woe is us. Why have you forsaken us, oh Lord? And Lizzie's like, no, Dad, it's not God's fault. It's because of this girl, Veronica Mars, who started dating Meg's boyfriend ex-boyfriend duncan you know that guy over there sitting in the lobby with the flowers yeah it's a horrible (laughs) accusation that has no basis unless we're supposed to think there's like a secret mystery basis Mm -hmm. um which maybe we'll find out there is but like right now the basis is specious like because i know veronica feels guilty and duncan somewhat does but like really it's not like they all planned to ride in a limo together and then they kicked <laughs> Meg out of the limo. Like Meg made a choice for herself that she didn't know what the consequences of that choice were. Right. Who but knew like, the stakes were that high? We thought it was just a stinky bus ride when we got into this scenario. Yeah, stinky in the back of that bus. Mm-hmm. And no one runs right in the front of a bus. That's where the dorks are. <laughs> That's right. That's where the... That- Dumbass French teacher is, or no, she was, uh, she was the journalism teacher. Yes. Dumas. How quickly I forget her legacy. Um, yeah. So a little strange. The parents, they seem to have some information that maybe isn't accurate, but it's the important thing is it definitely reinforces Veronica's guilt spiral. And that's where we need her to be. Yeah. yeah. That will get her motivated. Yeah. Um, we also, and we know this from last season, shit is weird at Meg's house. Mm-hmm. They're super religious. They are, I don't know if we've been told explicitly how they punish their daughters, but like it uh, is not, it was not like it was when we had to talk to them last year is like not, it was kind of scary. Yeah. They, cause Meg has the story of her like sort of creepy tour guide who sent her dick pics which upsetting to any parent but meg definitely set us up for it was not taken well by the parents at all um and so we have that situation and then lizzie shows up at duncan's door in the middle of the night with Mm -hmm. a laptop that's meg's laptop and she's like okay mom and dad know they're gonna find this laptop tomorrow 
So we got to clean out all of the files in it. Yeah. Because there's shit that they don't need to know or they shouldn't know. We got to protect Meg's memory. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe not Meg's memory, but we have to like. Protect her for once she gets out of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, it's like, yeah, hide shit from her parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Veronica is there in the other room being bitchy at, Lo- at Duncan. Again, have some empathy, Veronica. Lizzie does not want to see you right now. I don't, whatever. I'll just hide like a whore in the bedroom. <laughs> are you and Duncan married now? Like, what are you talking about? Like, Lizzie came to talk to somebody who cared about her sister. You're, I, I, you have no role here, Veronica, except then she does have a role because she knows who to call. You know, who you That's call right. when you need something hacked in the middle of the night. You call Mac. Yeah, you do. I was so happy to see her. It's been so long. Yeah, it has been. It, yeah. Let's get Mac back in the mix. Um, I love, she's such a good actor. The way she captures the, I am literally in the middle of a very awkward, intense evening (laughs) vibe going on was so good. Like, so uh, you wanted her emails, right? Okay. And, um, uh, and so uh, this goes to you then? Great. Okay. Well, it's getting late. Yeah. I want out. Yeah. Uh, thanks for calling, but I do not want to be part of this drama. Um, mm-hmm. And then the next morning, Duncan leaves the USB out for Veronica and then goes to take a very long shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a Freudian explanation to that. Uh, subconsciously, perhaps he wants Veronica to know. Maybe he's just I, a fucking yeah. human donut. He's and- a human donut. And I also think he doesn't. As much as he knows Veronica really well, I don't know that he knows the depths of her disrespect for privacy. Like he knows it, but I think mm-hmm. he lets not think about it all the time. Yeah, and I'm sure he lets himself believe that he's the exception. You know, that he's yeah, special. Yeah, I mean, she did because... try into his medical records last year. And remember then he... after that, he ran away to Cuba? Yeah, yeah. Did he ever find out that she did that? Yeah, because she was like, you have epilepsy. And he's like, how do you know that? <laughs> right. Yeah, well, then the human <laughs> donut explanation. I'm going with that one. No. He is a human donut. He's great at compartmentalizing. And I think he wants his relationship with Veronica to, and that's part of, I think, why he doesn't tell her that he's going to see Meg every day. Like, he wants their little relationship to be just like a cute high school relationship. Right. He doesn't want to do We've seen it can be if she could just let go of the main plot, the main series, season plot. She would let go of the main plot and he would, I mean, it is a little bit like I. I think she overplay. Like I think the whole dim something when he's like, "Let's fuck," and she's like, "Okay, but first let's talk about Meg for a minute." It's like, and then she's yeah, like, "Mental, note, don't talk about ex girlfriends." And it's like, "Yeah, no shit, Veronica. You knew what you were doing. You were throwing a bomb in his face to see if it was going to make him react differently. Like you were trying mm-hmm. to catch him off guard. You were, yeah, come on. But like, there is something to not telling your girlfriend that you're going to go see your ex girlfriend in a coma every single day." Yeah, and he's uh, he's using pouting and withholding sex um, to fucking deflect from that. He know he absolutely knows what he's doing. Like, 
He kept it a secret for yeah, a reason, exactly. and he doesn't want to talk about it. Not because yeah. he's so hurt that she would no. cry, but because he doesn't want to fucking talk about how no, he's still he in love with his ex. Whoa. You think he's still in love with Meg? Come on, man. Who wouldn't be? All right. I think you're projecting. Okay. Also, <laughs> uh, what did you tell me? What is your favorite Steve Martin movie? Oh, I, I believe last episode I said it was The Jerk. No, no, no. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Okay. And then did you mention Pennies from Heaven? No, I think you mentioned Pennies from Heaven. I'm a My, my Blue I- Heaven. Oh, I think you maybe mentioned My Blue Heaven and I thought you were saying Pennies from Heaven. I had never seen Pennies from Heaven before. I thought you told me that it was good and that I should watch it. It is the most depressing, depraved, and fucked up shit I've ever seen in my life. That's not true. I've seen very fucked up shit. But it is... It's even worse than in Rio? Blame it on Rio is a... Blame it on Rio. Oh, I don't know which I would rather watch. This is... (laughs) I I already have so much animosity toward Michael Caine that I think I could get... Through Blame It on Rio again better, whereas I like Martin. And the character he plays in Pennies from Heaven is maybe is a horrible anti-hero, but he's the POV character. So you have to just be stuck with him doing horrible things and degrading people, being a shitty person, just but you are stuck with him. You don't so like all right. So I, I, have, I am so sorry about this, this horrible like this, misunderstanding. Which is a totally yeah, my- different movie. With Rick Moranis. Yeah, that's the one where Mick, Rick oh, Moranis has a system for putting yeah. syrup on his waffles so all the waffles get the same amount of syrup and none of them get soggy. You know what? I can't wait, wait to watch My Blue Heaven. I might even quit <laughs> Penny Heaven before it's over because it's already like, it's already so upset. Like, I can't. I can't. I don't know how this movie, the movie's only getting darker and it's so upsetting. Wow, I feel like I... So I've not ever seen Pennies from Heaven. A heavily stylized production with lip sync musical numbers follows Arthur Parker, played by Martin, a depression era sheet music salesman with big dreams. When Arthur faces relationship problems with his wife, Joan, Jessica Harper, uh, which are compounded by financial issues, he begins an affair, W ellipses. Yeah, that sounds, I mean, so far... Nothing too telling, but no. And this is the movie I thought you loved, so I was like, okay, I could see Colin being into this movie. A guy's got dreams, and he's kind of held back by his life, but he like takes risks and goes out and makes his dreams happen. No, that's not what this movie is. Everything you said is both literally true and fucking false. It's about okay. So the whole movie <laughs> is interspersed with these musical numbers. He's like thirty style music movie musical numbers, mm-hmm. and then in between, so like. And what it's all like, and I get the themes, I get it, but it's like, so you see what the depression, how hard the depression actually was. And then you see these movie musical numbers that are like the movies of the time. And you see how they contrast so significantly with the actual, how hard it was to live in this time. Now, and again, I think it's because they choose this like married white, and it's not even white, it's married guy to be the POV character. So he, and this is all pretty early in the movie. So he has this wife. He will, um, he tries to make her have sex with him. She won't. Then it, like they're in the kitchen. He's finally supposed to be leaving for his business trip. He grabs her, bends her over the sink and pulls up her, her skirt to forcibly. Yeah. And, but like, but the movie isn't really treating it like it's 
assault, but it's like really upset. And she's very upset. Like, it's not like I'm, it's not just me being upset. She is not happy with this. This is, she's feeling. So he like essentially assaults her and then sings a song about how horny he is, but it's like a beautiful song. You know, the song looks pretty. And then he goes away. He tries to get alone. He can't get alone, whatever. Um, Then he goes off, essentially leaves his wife for like weeks, goes, see, meets the school teacher, stalks her, goes to her house in the middle of the night and is like, I just want to be near you. I just want to be near you. I love you. I saw you and music played in my head and I love you. And she's like, Mm -hmm. all right. Then he kind of aggressively has sex with her, which it's not like she eventually gives in. But there's again, this is not this is very fucking dark and depressing shit to watch. Yeah. Then he leaves her and goes back home. I think at that point he thinks he might be coming back for her. But when he gets home, his wife has put lipstick on her nipples, which is what he always begged her to do. And then he gets mad at her for doing this sexual thing that he begged her to do and shames her for doing it. Oh, and then wow. like, it's like heavy, Colin. It is like it's like kids. Like it's up there. Like this <laughs> is unpleasantly heavy shit. And again, it's punk musical numbers. Then he meets this blind girl who, and he keeps telling her how beautiful she is. And you're like, oh fuck, what are you gonna do, this blind girl? And then this other guy is just a third. Uh, he's like a. They're calling them bums, but I guess they're, you know, unhoused people. But, like, he's, like, an unhoused guy in the Depression. And he rapes and murders the blind girl. Like, we meet, like, one night. Oh, by the way, I didn't tell you. The girl that Arthur had, the woman Arthur had an affair with that he snuck to her house in the middle of the night and then eventually convinced her to have sex with him. She gets pregnant. She's a school teacher. She gets fired for being pregnant because Arthur never comes back. So she gets fired from her job. Then she ends up working, like, being a prostitute with her pimp, Christopher Walken. This And I thought this was your favorite Steve Martin movie, and I was like... Here's the thing, Mogi. You may have inadvertently discovered my new favorite Steve Martin movie. (laughs) Okay, try it. Is this a fucking Coen Brothers movie? What the fuck? I I think a different... Because the premise is not bad, and I like the idea. It's, It's... not the same execution at all, but it reminds me of Purple Rose of Cryo, which I will never watch a Woody Allen movie again, but it, I like the idea of the reality of depression as opposed to the escapism that people got from movies because movies were very popular at the time. So, like, I'm right. into that dynamic. That's, I'm interested in that overlap. But this yeah. movie does it in such an aggressively unpleasant... And again, he's the POV character. So, like, if the school teacher was the POV character, you'd right. at least have, a, like, a person who... It would be like Tess the Durbervilles, sort of, but like you'd have a character who at least has, you get to see inside her, but instead you just see the people that he abuses. Mm-hmm. And move on to the it's next. It's just movie. a string of a string of victims as he fucking breaks for his delusional dance numbers, and then <laughs> follows his fucking ego oh, no. into his next horrible fucking misadventure. I don't know, man. It's too. It's it like sounds a, it's fucking like, dark and horrible, and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm probably gonna watch it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we can talk. We can we can regroup on it. I'm sorry for the <laughs> listener that you had to listen to this. It is depressing, but my blue heaven is that is a, a, a most silly approved movie. Pennies from Heaven is not at least at this point approved yeah. by this podcast. It may my, get half approved. 
my blue heaven is like a PG do-over of a fucking Scorsese <laughs> murder movie. <laughs> it's, it's cute. They're like, hey, hey, what if Goodfellas was a Heathcliff cartoon? Hey, hey. I like that Heathcliff. He's hey. a good cat. <laughs> Oh man, I'm sorry. I now I feel like I'm aligned you because all day I I couldn't even finish it. I started it yesterday, and all the whole time I was watching, I was like, Colin likes this, and I was like, Well, Colin sometimes likes stuff that's sad, so maybe that's part of it. But I was like, and it is experimental, so I was like, Yeah, Colin likes movies and that tried to do different things, but I was like, I don't understand how this is favorite. I was like, Steve Martin makes movies that make you feel good at some points. This is oh, oh. it honestly though made. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels look much better. I mean, that's great. And here's the thing. I, I rarely go to Steve Martin for his his art pictures. I am like an on the very yeah. surface slapstick comedy, physical humor. That's what I get from Steve Martin. You know, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and My Blue Heaven. Totally. He does a fucking, he does a funny Italian stereotype accent the whole movie. You know, that's totally. kaboosh, you know? like I that's watch- what I go to Steve Martin for. Yeah, I also watch my- Pink Panther, which... It's not good. Mm. I've never seen the Steve Martin Pink Panthers. There's Beyonce's in it. Mm-hmm. That I didn't realize she was in it. Um, but Pink Panther is more the mode. And again, it's not for me. I I will never watch it again. Once was enough. But that's more the mode that I'm interested in him exploring. Silliness. <laughs> and what's fun about the Pink Panther is he's making fun of Poirot who is a very mockable detective. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't think like Veronica is as easy to parody. I don't know how you would even do a parody of Veronica Mars. I mean, <laughs> if it wasn't for the fourth season coming out last year, we would be approaching like parody of Veronica Mars time, but she's staying too relevant. Dang. It's mm-hmm. true. She has to, <laughs> but in 20 years from now, Colin and I are going to write a parody. <laughs> Just you wait. Okay, but Veronica's... I don't remember this happening in such a direct way as much in the first season, but in this episode, Veronica's case is mirroring her real life in a Mm. significant way. Yes. Uh, Her client, Julie Block. Veronica, and honestly, Veronica sees it way stronger than I do. Like, she's... (laughs) She's connecting a lot of dots. Yeah, I think Veronica is also feeling this jealousy and this suspicion that she's not putting words to because she is trying to not be a Julie about it. Mm -hmm. She's trying to just trust her boyfriend. They love each other. It's Mm -hmm. okay. Because Julie comes to her with, "Uh, hey, I have this trust fund uh, boyfriend. He uh, is going to propose. I found his ring in his gym bag or found a ring in a gym bag. He's going to propose to me, but like, I don't know. He's been acting kind of squirrely. He's been getting calls from some number I don't know. He has all these appointments, and I don't know that I believe he's going to his appointments. Mm-hmm. Investigate. And so Veronica uh, upsells her to the silver package. Right. Which includes some surveillance and, you know, in-depth investigation, more than just a background check. Mm-hmm. Partially because Julie um, has been pretending not to be a rich girl, but she is, in fact, a, a rich girl herself. Mm-hmm. And Veronica, you know, she sniffs, uh, she sniffs the payday, but also Julie, like, puts 
very clear vibes for it. Like she doesn't want like an internet database search. Like she's, she's coming to spend some money and get her money's worth out of this. I think. Well, yeah. It also feels like she's wants her money's worth, but she wants, she wants proof. Mm -hmm. Yes. And right now she's kind of, yeah. Julie knows in her heart of hearts that this guy is screwing her over somehow. She just needs to know how. Exactly. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so Veronica investigates, investigates, finds out he's actually, oh, he's at this house and he this is who he's calling all the time. Oh, look, it's a rabbi. Never mind. It's okay. Um yeah. he's taking Jewish lessons to become Jewish. <laughs> Um, he's taking so he's going to convert Hebrew lessons, Vogie. He's taking Hebrew lessons, he's taking Hebrew lessons so that he can convert to Judaism, um, <laughs> to be with Julie, which is very cute. Then um, Veronica follow. She follows him everywhere. He's yeah. essentially he's fine. He's just he's not doing anything sketchy. Then Veronica in the middle of the night gets a call from Julie. Who's annoying the hell out of her? Mm-hmm. And she decides she offers Julie the upgrade to the gold package, which includes, and this is so gross, temptation scenarios. The temptation scenario. Is it ever okay to do that to your partner? Um, if it is discussed between the three of you ahead of time, okay, or that's at, not, the very that's least, at, at the very least, that's- you and your partner talk about it, and then you're like, but like I don't want to know who the person is. And then you're like, oh, yeah, totally. So then you have a different conversation with the person who's into it. And you get into that scenario. Then I think the temptation uh, is. I think that's a different temptation scenario. And I believe that usually in those, you're probably wanted to. It's more of like a seduction scenario. Mm -hmm. Though I guess it's probably somebody's kink to say no to a hot person. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. To- I mean, somebody is into that or have their part. Honestly, I could e- even see more of the kink being say- having your partner say no to a hot person. Oh, so you're like, <laughs> you're like watching <laughs> from a nearby bush. Yep. <laughs> it's like the opposite of cuckold. You're just like, you're like, oh, yeah, she's really hot. Oh, yeah, she's seducing you. Oh, you said no. Oh, this is Nick Cage's house? What? <laughs> oh, baby, Somebody's let's do right. some faithfulness play. <laughs> You're right. Somebody's going to do it. But any t- there's no case where it's okay to do this to your partner unaware. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think I, it might be okay to do to, to sabotage someone else's relationship. Oh, Jesus. Like to do to like, Jackie? Like get a really yes, hot you guy do, to hit on Jackie. Yep. <laughs> you could do it to Jackie. You could do it if you're if you're Cassidy. You could do it to your uh, stepmom. Uh-huh. That feels a little bit more just like, hey, I'm just testing you to see if you're a good person. I don't know. That feels like Mogi's kind of making her own rules. Uh- <laughs> no, you're right. It's never okay. I was thinking about it though. Is would you okay if if you found out you're get you get married? Mm-hmm. You're married for twenty years. On your 20th wedding anniversary, Mm -hmm. you had a big party. It's night. You're crawling into bed. And you're like, oh, this is just the most beautiful day. And you're like, I'm so glad that we have been able to build. I've never trusted anyone as much as I trust you. Like, the life we've built together is an amazing thing. I never even thought 20 years ago I would ever have this. And she's like, (laughs) 
interesting you say that. <laughs> um, because when we were dating, I set some. I hired a PI to do a temptation scenario. You passed, and that's why uh, I proposed to you. Can uh, you roll over and just let it go? Because it's been twenty years. I mean, or you're probably that still point, mad. At that point, I feel like, what's the point of fighting about anything, right? <laughs> you're already in twenty years. We're not that big. Fifty. <laughs> at that point, yeah. I just go. All right. I think if you're Duncan, you do that after three weeks. Oh, yeah. You Duncan, just let it, go. it just depends on what kind of fucking meds you're on. Uh, that dictates everything <laughs> you do. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. There's no reason to hold a... Gr- it, here's the thing. It is a violation. It is shitty. Mm-hmm. But it is, I think, a violation that with 20 years distance, you could forgive. Julie... But don't tell me right away. Yeah, don't but- tell me on the, at the wedding. Don't no. Don't let your your maid of honor use that in her speech either. No. Um, I That's never so would have guessed when Colin and Julie told me they were getting married. I thought we should hire an eighteen year old to try to fuck them just to no, make you know sure. what it would be if it was a movie or something. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It would a hundred percent be that the maid of honor is the temptation scenario oh like that's her that's her side gig uh-huh. that nobody knows anything about like she's yes a- and then the husband is like oh my god your best friend tried to like aggressively pursued me mm-hmm. and but no actually the wife's the betrayer because she hired the best friend to do it oh this is complicated i don't know whose side i'm on I mean, everybody sucks here. That should be the name of the movie. How long do you think until somebody (laughs) makes a movie called ESH? Just everybody sucks here. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's amazing. I'm trying to think of the tagline. Something to do with the destination wedding. Like, arrive at a place where everyone sucks. (laughs) Don't worry that you'll (laughs) suck harder than everybody here. Um, oh man honestly i feel like that could have been the name of that wedding movie the destination wedding movie with uh keanu reeves and winona Ryder. oh i didn't catch that one oh they're very charming but everybody sucks (laughs) a lot of rom-coms can be called everybody sucks here you're right (laughs) truth (laughs) um but Veronica is, is connecting with Julie. And honestly, mostly she's just like, God, I don't want to be a Julie. Right. I don't want to be as obnoxious as this girl. I don't want to be just looking for about, I want to be able to let things go. And she, do, the fact that she doesn't look that USB is pretty, it's pretty, that's huge. a big step for Veronica. So right, because Veronica, yeah. again, going back to your earlier point about her dealing with the bus or not dealing yeah. with the bus, she, you know, she's not looking for clues. She just wants to read every no. email that she ever sent to Duncan. She wants to see the yes. love notes. She wants, ugh, Veronica, mm-hmm. you're being such a Julie Block right now. I know she's being such a Julie Block. She wants to see all that stuff, and I think she also, yeah, she. It is, a, and I get that feeling too, right? Of that Lizzie and Duncan mm-hmm. clearly have some kind of bond or relationship. I'm not trying to imply anything untoward, but they just, right. and that is something that it, that Veronica is completely outside of. Like, yeah, 
They're not all friends, but Lizzie feels comfortable coming in the middle of the night to Duncan and, and begging for his help. Right. It shows uh it it shows Veronica the level that Duncan and um uh, Meg's relationship truly was, mm-hmm. you know. She can right. sort of be perched on the outside and look in and sort of like now she doesn't have to worry about it, right? Or that's the position she's taken. Like, okay, I got my man yeah. back. I don't have to worry about it. I'm going to go be friends with Meg. But then when Lizzie right. shows up, it's like, oh, Duncan was like really part of her life. And this is mm-hmm. like a legitimate thing. Yes. Um. But yeah, Veronica does the right thing. She doesn't look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, Julie would never, was, that's not Julie's vibe. Yeah. So Veronica does though discover. So she okay, she we have to she does the temptation scenario. Mm-hmm. I usually love Veronica in character. I this scene could have been five minutes shorter, I think. <laughs> it <laughs> it was probably so five minutes. <laughs> and I feel like and I and it's not a I guess it is a dig on him. I feel like the character playing Colin was an extra. Like he had usually all the actors on the show have like a spark. They have yeah. like they're interested. Yeah. This guy was might what as well have been points? a mannequin. Yeah. He, 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 he says, what about my sad points? That's who he was. But he had five minutes of screen time. No, but that I'm saying the exact opposite. I'm saying that guy had the spark. He belonged to Neptune. <laughs> he was a wacky right. character right. who was Sad hilarious. Sad Points was a better actor. I'm Sad Points right. was a much better actor. Wait a minute. This isn't a dupe, is it? Yeah. No, you're right. Sad uh, Points was better. But just like all of... And I'm not even saying this actor couldn't be in another role that way. But in mm-hmm. this role, it was just such a dud. Like I think they expected the Scottish accent to carry it a lot further. Well, and it's not even a very thick Scottish accent, or I guess rather <laughs> not like a stare. It's not groundskeeper Willie. No. Um, he's not hard to understand. No, he felt like a much a must hire. He's he was fucking dating one of the writers or something. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> I think I I I feel bad saying it, but oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, this guy was not up to par. And yeah. Kristen Bell, and that's because we know Kristen Bell has chemistry with almost every living thing. Mm-hmm. So when there's one where she doesn't, you're just like, what? What? And I think, I don't know, I think we were supposed to not know if he was good or evil, da 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 Um. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it just anyway, those scenes felt really long, but we do find out he doesn't own the house that he lives in on the beach. He actually is staying at Nicolas Cage's house. Nicolas yes. Cage, who has posters of all his movies on the wall, but I didn't see a Valley Girl poster. Big mistake. <laughs> um, you know what else I saw on the wall? The beautiful that. art that I totally believe would be in Nick Cage's house that said, Sex, sin, yep. art, art, and big black letters. <laughs> it was so cheesy. Yes, but I would believe it. Um, oh, God. So and, funny. And Julie had been complaining that there was this picture of this woman, which also, how are you about to get engaged to a man that you can't feel comfortable asking him a question about a picture in his house? Well, you've already like, lied to him about literally every aspect of your life. I know, I'm surprised but it's just like, he knows me- that she's Jewish. Yeah, you're right. But it's just such a weird. She's very jealous of this picture of this woman in his house. Mm-hmm. But it's like, how do you not just ask him about the woman? 
Right. And if she had, he would have been like, oh, this house belongs to my friend Nick. You know, Nick Cage. Or he would have said, like, it's my friend Nick. I I guess you wouldn't just say it's my friend Nick's wife. Right. Yeah, I guess. Unless you, for some reason, forgot that you never told your fiance or your potential fiance that this isn't your house. These people just, they don't know each other at all. They don't know each other. They shouldn't get married. Do Um, not Also, also, okay, and maybe it's the kind of person that I was Mm -hmm. in that I was aware of pop culture. But how did you, because I'm, I guess I'm much, I'm a little younger than Julie. Okay. But not by a ton. Everybody knows what Lisa Marie Presley looks like. I mean, her I, her I, being married to Michael Jackson and then making out MTV Movie Awards. We all who where were you if you didn't see that? Right. I can like I can see her essence. I can like picture a nose and some eyebrows and like some sort of reddish hair. And if I saw a picture of her and she was on my mind, I would know who it was. Um, but you don't yeah. think if I had just sent you a picture of Lisa Marie Presley, you would know who it was? You would well, say that's Lisa Marie Presley. It's hard to say because it's ta- it's tainted now. Yeah, we can't. I was like, Lisa should Marie we send Presley. it to the re- the rest of uh, SDS and see if they can guess who it is? Oh, uh, you see, look now that I'm looking at her, I'm like, this is not what I re- really remember her looking like. I mean, I think she's had different looks, and I could see if yeah. you don't always recognize her. Um, I, I could see her fading into the background. But on the other hand, if I was like, so what's up with this framed picture of this woman? Is that like a cousin or your what, ex? What's going on there? It's like, oh, no, that's uh, Lisa Marie Presley. The guy who owns this house uh, used to be married to her. I would have been like, perfect. Oh yeah, that is her. You know? Like then yes. I would get it. I you're right. It's less that it's Lisa Marie and more that he she never asked the question. Mm-hmm. When it was bugging her. It was totally bugging her. It's so weird. Yeah. Sometimes but, people are silly. Well, and they do they make her like they you know cartoon her up a little bit um in her like foibles with the like mustache bleaching and that and uh when veronica's like oh it looks like because she hacks his computer during her temptation Mm -hmm. um scenario which is like you know two birds good job v um but she she finds out that colin has actually looked up her family and discovered that her family is actually much wealthier than Julie has let on. But when Julie, when Julie finds out about that, she's so appalled that anyone would invade her privacy like that. So it's like, okay, you're not a normal person. Well, it's sort of her privacy, but it's more that she's disappointed. He's not rich. Right. Yeah. She like, finds I think you're right. Privacy things. is a piece, but then she's also like, well, I was faking that I wasn't rich. That's way different than faking that you are rich. Right. And Veronica's like, all right, fuck off forever, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then Veronica looks at the thing. And I feel like she could have put this two together, but she's had she's distracted. But mm. she figures she looks at the browser history and she's like, Oh wait, shit. He was planning to he had already like read about how to propose 
Yeah. Before he looked up your thing. So he was already was going to marry you before he found out about your family. Um, and this is the then, second time in this case that Veronica has gone to Julie with not all of the information. Yeah, she Veronica's not honoring it. Maybe it's because she thinks that she caused the bus crash. Maybe, <laughs> maybe there is a subtle thing from the end of episode three running oh throughout this that I just didn't pick up at first. Right. She just doesn't want to, like, they don't want to put too fine a point on it. No, they don't want to underline it. That would be too much. Everyone in the uh, writer's room, like, people will get it. Don't worry. They won't, they won't have to talk about this 10 years from now. For 12 hours. Um, <laughs> I do, I want to compliment the writer's room, but first I want to uh, say that I really liked Veronica's letter. I mean, I didn't really like it, but it felt very Veronica. So Veronica sends a package <laughs> to Julie of the very expensive scotch that mm-hmm. is Colin's namesake and that shows that Colin actually was heir to a huge fortune, way yeah. bigger than Julie's money. Um, and she's like, so it looks like um, both of you pretended to be in love, but only one of you really was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's I mean, so fucked up. <laughs> it is. It, it reminds me of... Uh, <laughs> It is such an expensive, like, I guess Julie kind of paid for it because she just gave Veronica three grand. But it is such yeah. an expensive, like, fuck you to send to Julie. So it's not a bottle yeah, of Evan is. Williams, you know. This is presumably no. nice whiskey. Yes. And it's not just the one that Veronica finds in their liquor cabinet. Mm-mm. No, because that one's opened. Which, and by the way, I mean, I, I'm sure there are rich alcoholics whose children are very familiar with fancy labels (laughs) but like i don't think veronica's like you don't get to be the daughter of an alcoholic without seeing some bottles of alcohol i'm like okay valid but Mm -hmm. your mom was not drinking super expensive scotch all the time there's no way right no what salary what it probably was is she like came home with the bottle and was like, everyone, good news. I got this really nice whiskey to drink. And her and Keith were like, yeah, great news, mom. Yeah, you were supposed to renew the registration on the car. <laughs> no, I was thinking about it. I was like, Keith is an amazing dad, like high, you know. Two thumbs up to Keith as a dad, but uh-huh. Veronica really did not come out well with her bomb. She, yeah, yeah, she has Leanne a very low opinion of Leanne. Which oh, but I want to compliment the writers of this episode. Oh, okay, or the writers of this season, and uh, that is, I want to because there's a throwaway line in episode two when Veronica is in the bathroom with, uh, with Ari Grainer, and they're talking. And they're talking, and then two bitchy, snobby people come in and are like, yes. Hey, Veronica, are you going to Logan's life's short party? It'll be so fun. Oh, mm-hmm. look, it's the truck driver's daughter. Let's be an asshole or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, uh, driver's ed. Uh, yeah, driver's ed. Damn it. <laughs> uh, but it was such a, it was so well, like, just seated because now we found out, because um, we kind of switched over the Weevil, but we can come back to it. But we now found out that Weevil got an anonymous tip that Curly Moran had something to do with the bus crash mm-hmm. from somebody who was at the Life is Short party, which includes all the O-Niners, all the PCHers, 
and the police. Yeah. <laughs> really doesn't limit our suspects, but does kind of open up our suspects. It's Veronica thinks she's so got it nailed. Good. I know. She has it like locked down and she's ready to go put it to Logan, who, you know, that's who she likes for it anyway. She wants him. Yeah. So if he's the fucking bad guy somehow, she can close the book on him forever and feel yeah, no more right. guilt. And instead, or not only does he have an alibi, but he has an alibi that blows her whole fucking case to shit. It's amazing. Yeah. And he's great. got the flyer with him. The flyer part, I was like, that's how long ago was this? I mean, but it really uh, wasn't. That long. Was he's a cool. high school kid. He's got trash he's in his backpack. backpack. I buy it. Um, and he took all the time to make that poster. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so I really like that. They did a really good job of seeding it a couple episodes ago. So I didn't even think about it. Right. And then totally. Um, smooth. And then you, it. you gotta and keep your head on a swivel all- when watching V Mars. That's true. Uh, and Veronica, or Veronica mentions that she doesn't know this phone number to his house. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see what that means later. Right. Which I didn't quite understand. Technically, he has five landlines at his house with all with different numbers. Is that what she's talking about? Yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah. Oh. I mean, well, like, think about it. Like, didn't you have any friends in high school who had a phone? Uh, we had landlines. And then around freshman year of high school, people slowly started getting cell phones. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, did you have a friend whose child, who one of the kids in the house had their own phone line? Oh, no. No. Okay, that, that was like, a fairly common thing. Maybe it was more of a girl thing than a guy thing. But yeah, right. a lot so of people you, had. I've heard of and that, then that on at TV. That point you would so what that refers to is, so everyone in the house has their own separate phone number? It's like cell phones that the don't parents go anywhere? Don't. Are you making fun of me? I honestly no, can't tell. This is no. one of the things where because we're not in the same room, I'm having some trouble like we understanding where you're coming from. We had caller ID. No, no, I'm being dead serious. So wait, this was the thing. So like in like you a had two show where Clarissa that people would have two phone lines? No, I didn't understand that people had <laughs> Listen, a Christmas tree is not that expensive. Once you buy it, it's plastic. You just have to keep it in the basement. It's yours forever. No, oh, geez, Louise. All right. Uh, okay. Yes, it is a thing. It's like, and maybe it was more of a teenage girl thing than a teenage boy thing. I don't yeah. remember as many guys having their own phone numbers. But yeah, it's like you would have a separate line. If you called it, you'd be calling your friend Stephanie. You wouldn't be calling her house. You'd be calling okay, her so number. Aaron, they've got the this main is before number. cell phones. Aaron's cell phones have the... destroyed this. This is not a thing anymore. But pre yeah, okay. in the pre and I know there were cell phones at this time, but I bet rich people, you have their you have the house number. You mm-hmm. probably have a number for the help. Oh wow. The help gets their own number. I guess that makes sense. Vendors can call and uh yeah. your your main house man gets the line. Yeah, so maybe it's more that you have a main house number and then you have like an Aaron's uh, office phone number. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Trina's got her own number. That I yes. see. Yes, and sure. Logan probably has his own line. Mm-hmm. And there might be a line in the f- in the pool room. Pool. A second that's line he, in that's the pool joke. room. I guess in here's my question: if there's, if there's different phone numbers all over the house, how do you know who you're gonna get? How like well, 
What number do I dial if I want to talk to the Aarons? If I want to, I'm sorry, if I want to talk to the Eccles. Well, who do you want to talk to? You want to talk to Aaron? Yeah, I want to talk to Aaron. So I call his number. you would dial his number. Wow. Dr. Trina, you would dial Trina's number. (laughs) Okay. All right. I guess I get it. Yeah. I mean, I think in probably in really fancy homes, they probably have a switchboard the way you do in offices. Oh, my God. And flow from the progressive commercials is there. Oh, no. That hurt. (laughs) But, like, I think you could. I think you. Now, again, once cell phones existed, all of this doesn't exist anymore. But Mm -hmm. I think. Probably rich people. I bet there were, and I didn't know any rich people who had this, but I wouldn't be surprised if rich people had extensions. Oh, wow. At some point where you would dial the the Eccles house. Mm -hmm. And then if you want to go to the office, you would dial 012 pound. Wow. But I I didn't know anybody that rich or fancy. I knew, but I did know, yeah, starting when you're like, I don't know, seventh grade and a girl, you might, you get it, you get your own phone. If your parents love you. My parents did not give me my own phone. Uh, I begged. I pleaded. It's all I wanted. Um, I got an extension in my room for like a minute, but that wasn't that. So what? People can still listen in in other parts of the house. And then um, eventually I got an extension on the internet phone line. Oh, And again, this is all like mostly middle school but i got an extension on the internet phone line so for a while so my mom will say oh yeah ryan had her own phone line i did not have my own phone line i could use the phone when no one was on the internet and if anyone wanted to be on the internet i got bumped off the phone oh Uh, okay so yeah because remember we used to have to use phone for internet phone for internet yeah 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 I'm trying to think. We must have had two phone lines at one point, but we probably just got a phone line that was dedicated to be used for the internet. Yes. I think that's what we Which did. is what my family what did, saying. and then I kept whining, and so they eventually gave me an extension <laughs> for that. So that I could, but I don't even remember if I gave well, out that number all the time. How come the computer gets its own phone line? I know, and Ryan, all Ryan wants. And the other thing I always wanted was a TV in my room. I wanted one so bad. Yeah. I never I wanted that bad. I had one with a click wheel. Oh, very nice. You, you know, had to get little, up to turn it. Yeah, you had to get up and turn it. And I watched, uh, yeah, I watched uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer every Sunday night on Fox from, uh, I think, from 10 to midnight. That oh my was my, one of my fond memories. I I envy you. I listened <laughs> to Loveline literally every night for maybe 10 years. Oh, wow. No, I'm exaggerating. That, no, that, no that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hold on. You're such a you're such a Corolla. I guess that's better than saying I'm a Dr. Drew. <laughs> uh I guess. I was so I listened like it was kind of like now I listen to sleep meditations before I go to bed. Like it was mm-hmm. my sleep meditation. I listened to it every night and then on um I think it was Sunday nights, it would be on at 10 and then on again at 1. Oh, wow. Because so for some reason. Twice? Or no, maybe it was on at, what is that? 10, 11, 12, 1. Yeah, it was on at 1, and you would listen to the live feed. For some reason, DC 1 or 991 HFS. I can't remember which one it was. I think it was HFS. Uh-huh. You would listen to the actual West Coast feed live on oh, one wow. night a week. Yeah, yeah. But then that same episode would be aired the next night. So I would listen 
to two episodes on Sundays and then listen to the, one of those episodes again on Monday night. But I wow. fell asleep before it was over most nights. It wasn't like I was like sitting there writing notes on every caller. But <laughs> like the voices of of Dr. Drew and Adam Kroller are how I fell asleep for mm-hmm. uh, most of my teen years. Okay. That's nice. You know what? I think despite all of this, we both are, are very lucky to have been raised by our parents. Um, unlike our dear friend Wallace Fennell, who finds out at the end of this episode that he never knew his father. I know, it's pretty much That was my up. big dramatic reveal. What'd you think? That was really good. Um, yeah, it's very, it's, Wallace is not really ready for this. No. He's so, like, he thinks he's got things together. Uh-huh. He's got a cute girlfriend. He's told his best friend to back the hell off. Let him have his cute <laughs> girlfriend. Yeah. Like, things are okay. He's okay with his mom's boyfriend. And then his dad comes and drops a bomb. Huge bomb. And the fun, yeah, that's like. I think we can agree that this, at least, is a cliffhanger, an undeniably oh, great cliffhanger. <laughs> well, because it, and they're it not just gonna multiple, they're not just gonna yeah. saddle this next episode. That would be so funny if we just didn't mention. Like it's um, one of the weird episodes where Wallace like isn't really even in it. Oh no! Don't do that. Um, sort of like Weevil wasn't in the third episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it opens up new story possibilities it's a turn it certainly gives us like a whole new look at alicia and what we can trust from what she says because she's Mm -hmm. like now lied a lot to keith and to wallace um but i mean keith isn't i don't think keith is gonna get away with this scot-free because we we didn't really mention it but he does just sort of let himself into her house and immediately start digging through like her personal. Oh, that's effects. right. So I forgot that. Yeah. Like we're yeah, gonna. Right. I I think we're gonna see Keith, like you know, a little upset, and then I, I feel like he's gonna end up stepping in it on this one because he has crossed some well, major and what's boundaries. Con- oh, he totally is. You're absolutely right. He breaks into the or he he might have a key, but he goes into the house. And he goes directly to her filing cabinet, starts going through her things. Then he starts mm-hmm. making calls about her and mm-hmm. her trying to get her name and get her original name and get all her information. Like he he does he does he does Mars investigations on her, which right. she, we know her and we know that that is not something she's going to stand for or for be interested sure. in. No, she's so, yeah, already so been crossed- Mars investigated once and she I fucking know. hated it. Hated it. Okay, now here is. The dramatic irony, I guess you could say. Okay. If Keith had just sat on his hands for one 24-hour period further, Mm -hmm. Wallace would have found out, would have called Veronica, and then Keith could have righteously gone to Alicia and be like, (laughs) what's up? But because he snooped. Yep. He's not going to get that. But he could have. If he had just like, I don't know, if he had been in a car accident and got in a coma for 24 hours. If anything had stopped him from doing his investigation, he the information would have come out and he would have had clean hands. I mean, he but truly he does not have clean hands. Yeah, he truly is his daughter's father. Um, you know, a Mars is a Mars yes, is a there, Mars. Well, did you miss that episode? We he is. Yeah. <laughs> the first time we shred it, the second time we find out. I mean, the fact that they both order 
the fact that they both order paternity tests is like, wow, that's telling. I know. Well, oh, and we didn't really get into that in this episode, but Keith, like, straight up calls Veronica out for mm-hmm. um, hiring Julie, even though he was she was told not to. Yep. And uh, that she thinks she's smarter than everybody. She goes off, sneaks off with her boyfriend. And she thinks nobody knows. But, like, come on, Veronica, we know. Seriously. Uh, and I think more than him telling her she was wrong. I think when she he tells her, I know more, I know your secrets and you're not as smooth as you think you are. I think that's the thing that stings the hardest. Yeah. Because being smooth is like, well, because it's like, it's no fun to constantly lie to and betray your dad if you think that he knows about it and is actually yeah, exactly. hurt by it all the time. Yeah, that's like going to make it a bummer to do. Exactly. If she's uh, just doing it because she wants it and it doesn't hurt anyone, then it's fine. Yeah, but no, he he calls her out. Mm-hmm. Um, but then almost immediately, which this turn, I get it from a like it makes sense, but I feel like because of the pacing of this episode, it kind of got smushed together. So he rails at Veronica, tells her she's crossing lines, tells her sh- what she did was wrong. Tells her she's not as smart as she thinks she is, and essentially like get out of the office. Mm-hmm. And then one like five minutes later, two minutes later, he is dealing with the fact that he is does not have an organized office, and it's making him into a worse <laughs> PI. And he's like, "Oh man, I guess I got to go hire my daughter." So he goes <laughs> and he hires her for two days a week, and mm-hmm. she's like, "Oh, is this what victory feels like?" And it's like, "Oh no, Veronica didn't learn any lessons at all." Right, because he doesn't oh. teach any lessons as a father. Then no. they did it in like a cute, oh, well, you know, we're just being us, us, us crazy Marses. They excuse each other from so much constantly. It's not a great. Oh, a hundred percent. And what Keith is, what Keith does to Alicia, like, I don't think the show tries to apologize for him at all. But like, it's that's really wrong mm-hmm. to do to your to your partner yeah especially when she's done nothing it's not like she also drove drove drunk with the kids in the car <laughs> like she's done there's no day she's not endangered any like she has not done anything wrong you're not trying to stop anything you're not trying to save anything you just want information right and so you're spying on your loved one to get that information yeah it's you know what it's that tough it's that tough line we have to walk when we love these flawed characters because it is what makes them interesting ultimately but uh, you want them to stop sometimes you kind of do but honestly with donut you got to push him because what is he gonna (laughs) do without you uh like i get it I get it. Well, Donut's um, best. Donut's best when he's being bad, which is ironic because I feel like the thing we hate about Logan is that he's so bad, but it's because Donut is uh, in, less effective at it. It's more fun to watch. Yeah, Donut is not good at being bad, but also Donut genuinely cares. And I'm thinking about this to see if I really believe it as I'm saying it. Mm-hmm. I think Donut genuinely cares about Veronica being happy. And Interesting. I think, and I don't know that Logan prioritizes Veronica's happiness in any way. I think he likes being with her and likes the feeling of being with her and likes feeling like they're on the same team. And 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 to to be fair to Logan, 
I mean, look at his parents. It's not like mm-hmm. he was modeled what love is. Like, I'm not saying, you know, this yeah. may be how he knows how to love someone, but like, it's not a love where it's about making someone happy or giving someone pleasure, really. I, I'm not saying Logan couldn't grow up to become that kind of man, mm-hmm. but I, right now, this Logan is I, a petty. No, I don't disagree with you no. about Logan at all. What I'm kind of hesitating with is I feel like Duncan might be. True, and I don't mean this in like the you know like oh blah poo him. Like he might just be a sociopath, and what he's doing is actually imitating uh, what like a concerned boyfriend looks like, which is fine I think for that's Veronica. Sure, I hear what you're saying. I do think her being happy. And you're right. Maybe it's that he's a sociopath and he's learned that if she's happy, that is thumbs up for him. And so the reason <laughs> he likes making her happy is because of some like gross mental problem. But like. Not necessarily gross. It's just his kind mind of, works in a different way. And he's functioning. I don't think we've seen any. Ev- ev- he has mental health issues, but I don't think we've seen any evidence that he's a sociopath. I guess it's his disassociation from reality that. Yeah, but that's a that's just a coping mechanism for mental health issues. Okay, all right, I take it back. I mean, donut. If you're talking about between Logan and Duncan, who's a sociopath? But Logan cries when he gets cheated on his knuckles. Logan threw a party after a bunch of his classmates died in a bus crash. Um, actually, it was a celebration of their life, Mogi. <laughs> Are you doing a Logan impersonation? No, like that, was just that was just me. That was not just you. That was in no way. That was in no way me doing a Jason Doring impression and falling flat on my face. I okay. assure you. All right. Well, I'm just saying you sounded like you worked for the city of Chicago. When you just said that. Wait. 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 No. You sounded like a municipal employee. Yeah. That was was fucking CTA right there. Oh, my God. Um, But, yeah. Maybe Duncan's a sociopath. I don't know. He's being squirrely as hell about this Meg thing. He's not being an open and communicative partner. Mm -hmm. But I do think... I don't know. I do think he wants Veronica to be happy. Now, right. is he willing to ignore the reality of their situation in order to compartmentalize <laughs> and, and have a good time? Sure, but I also just watched those deleted scenes that I described to you. They're very cute. <laughs> That's true. So those us having a completely different opinion of the donut right now makes perfect sense because you I are coming you are coming with a loaded perspective on our man but it's not to say it's the wrong one i think that his reticence to talk about meg is not a great thing Mm -hmm. and that they are going to have to deal with the meg situation at some point yeah not in the same way jason statham has to deal with the meg situation (laughs) they'll wear shoes like hopefully the hopefully the pending sequel I I don't I don't think I could like that 
less. Well, I got. I <laughs> well, we'll find out when the Meg Two finally gets announced. Hopefully, fingers crossed. But uh, what uh, you want to talk about more Veronica Mars uh, next week, Mogi? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's talk about Blast from the Past and Rat Saw God. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. All right, see you then. Come on now, sugar! We'll figure it out.